The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Well, that's the sound I like. Nice, smooth pour. sounds of Chenin Blanc <laughs> and, and Chardonnay, soft jazz. Apparently, <laughs> you got the wrong soft podcast. jazz and Chenin Blanc. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Winemakers. I'm John Myers with going around the circle. Let's see, Brian Casey, Ben Larks of or from. Idle I wanted Cellars. to say, let's have an idle moment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can. Yes. Tara Jane Alvey from Own Root Collective and Mr. Bart Hansen. And of course, Sam Katuri, as always. I think Welcome, it's guys. Newsworthy when we don't have idle moments. <laughs> oh, we got shit done today. Off brand. <laughs> All right. So, you guys, I, l- let me tell you the, the, a, a little bit about the show today. So, I've been following Own Root Collective on Instagram, was totally curious about what was going on. Notice that Tara had a lot of this, I saw a lot of familiar people. Um, that we, you know, friends of the pod or uh, former guests of the podcast, and isn't that the same thing? Something like that. We have friends who haven't been on, and we have guests who we don't like, right? (laughs) We just don't mention those. So that was Sam who said that. So we thought, we thought, well, we got to get, we got to get Tara on to talk about what the hell she's doing because none of us know. And I think those of you that listened to the show a couple weeks ago, I think we basically said that that we still have no idea what it is that she does but we're totally intrigued i mean the website's very i mean the website one makes you want to know what they're doing but i sorry i didn't really know what you're doing yeah Yeah. and then and then thanks and then let me just mention that ben larks who's a previous guest on the pod was was uh at the bar the other night and was like we were talking about trying some wine and I said, Oh, you know, we're doing a, a show this week with uh, Tara Jane Albee from owner collective. He's like, Oh, TJ. And I said, what? <laughs> and he said, TJ. I said, Oh, so you know her. Yeah. I said, okay, cool. Well, why don't you come on the show too? We'll, we'll just try your wines and we'll get to know what it is that Tara does. And, and it sounds like to me what she does. And I still don't know, but it sounds like to me that Ben is sort of in that, vein of like a guy who's got a day job and but also makes wine um, vein so artery heart all yeah. the lungs thank you so I'll, tara why don't we put it in your hands and you do a little <laughs> you know bio brief uh description of you know where you came from what you do and and we're actually starting from the beginning why well, i don't i don't know we could talk about we could talk about <laughs> russia but i don't think that's gonna end end too well, <laughs> well that's wait a minute. that's true but how about the weather oh really Okay, sure. later, later. Now we'll come back. You mean winter came back? Yeah, welcome. I haven't seen it hail, but maybe one other time in Sonoma, California. Well, it actually and it was really coming down. It was actually snowfall on the valley floor uh, on Tuesday. 
which is so which one was, was really last rare. time I mean, we, we saw had that. Hail. We got well, last time we had real hail in Sonoma. That was noteworthy. Was what this May of 2015? No, we had some. Oh, actually, there was some hail. proper. We had yeah. some stuff last year. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's it was always like some hail, craziness. but yeah. yeah, I mean, usually there's a little hail here and there, but. Usually there's a little hail here and there, but no, I mean that was significant. It this was, was hail, hail, rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Pea size, pea size. Yes. Dan Bixby is going to be very happy today <laughs> that you're here. Oh boy! <laughs> All right, now can we turn it over to Tara? Yeah. All oh, right. <laughs> Weather's great, guys. Weather's great. <laughs> um. Okay, so you want me to tell you where I come from, or you want me to tell you about Onward? All of the above. We want to know. <laughs> it's all start with Onward Collective. Okay, cool. Then we can get. Then we can dig in for Okay. Um, okay, so Onroot Collective is a membership-based, not I don't want to call it a wine club because I don't like being in a wine club necessarily, but for all intents and purposes, you can call it a wine club without pressure. So members are introduced to two winemakers a month, um, and there's an interview, and there's pictures, and there's video, and so members can really like connect and learn about the winemakers. And then if they want to buy the wine, they can buy the wine. If they don't want to buy the wine, they don't have to. I built this for me and I don't like being told what to do and I don't like rules. So I didn't want to make any rules for anyone else. So Solid sister. if you're into it, cool. If you're not into it, cool. Um, and then uh, after the offer ends is when I buy the wine from the winemaker and ship all the wine out for them. Um, and then once and do you ship it or do I ship the wine? it, you ship it. I ship oh, it. That, that kind of makes you a little different. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, and because a lot of people can't ship to a lot of places. So, um, I do all the shipping, and then what is super fun is that then uh, we do virtual tastings with all of the winemakers, and so members can actually like talk to the person that made the wine that they bought and ask all the questions, and they're really like this, very informal, and they're really fun, and there's a lot of F-bombs dropped, and it's a blast. And um, I guess she's listened to the show before. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not formal. So, so it's really fun because it really lets members about. like – learn and not in a um kind of not in a stuffy way it's a very like communal and approachable way and um there's a lot of members that are in the industry that also have a fun time on the tastings so it's really i'm trying to like make a community and really like connect the goal is to connect the winemakers who are very small winemakers they all the caveat is they all have a day job in the wine industry they produce really small brands on the side obviously they're very busy and we don't have to talk about three-tier problems and so you know, trying to find these winemakers and find these consumers who are also consumers who want to find these people and connect them together. And so it's really like Preach. a, yeah, it's like a community advocacy program. Yeah. <laughs> and so how did you come up with that idea? Um, well, I have a lot of friends that make brands that um, are t really delicious and then they make them and then they can't sell them. Yeah. And I've done marketing consulting for a lot of years and watched my friends not be good at doing that. And uh, and then actually this wine that um, you guys can taste is called Found Wine, um, is a Riesling. And during the pandemic, you know, the, like our mental health was all real shit. And uh, my friends uh, released this wine and they were like, oh, it's our release day. And they brought me a bottle and I was like, oh, I didn't see the email. I would have totally bought the wine. And they were like, who are we supposed to send an email to? And I said, your list. And they said, who is our list? And I said, whoever signed up on your website and they said well it's you and our parents so here's some wine <laughs> and then like a couple nights later i was watching Shit's creek for like the 10 millionth time and <laughs> i opened the bottle and i really just wanted to crush it into my face and um 
I tasted it and I like had, I got really emotional. I just kind of started crying. My husband came out and was like, what is wrong with you now? And I said, no, this is it. I can't take it anymore. No one's going to drink this wine and it's outstanding and I'm pissed. Yep. <laughs> and I kind of just couldn't let it go. You know, like it, I just was like, this is so it's so annoying to me that all these people are making these incredible wines and they don't get out there and they don't get tasted and they don't, you know, like if you are, I mean, you can talk about this, obviously, Ben, but like if you have a day job and you spend all your money and you max out your credit cards on juice because you actually give a shit, like people should be drinking that wine, you know? That's my soapbox. So Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how much you've listened to the show, but that's essentially, you know, it's a lot the of majority what of what yeah. we do. Um, you know, I should have. We don't do the hard part, right? Selling and shipping the wine. Well, <laughs> you guys do your own shipping, yeah. right? We're plenty busy with that, but yeah. I mean, that is, you know, it is. Um, you've connected the dots. I mean, yeah. we're we're out there throwing dots. Yeah, right? we're we're bringing in folks who often have, you know, day jobs in a winery and then have a side project. And are figuring out how to get it out to the world. Yeah, uh, it's really hard. But we don't. Yeah, it's really hard. And but we don't. Um, do like I said, we don't do the hard part. We just <laughs> hang out and taste their wine. Yeah, that's that's a start. <laughs> it's a start. That's another, <laughs> that's another one for the shirt. We throw out the dots. We don't connect them. <laughs> but Tara, what about you? Is this your side project too, or do, I mean, the first you... year it was. Yeah. Um, the first year it was my side hustle. Um, and then starting in January of this year, so like two months ago, now it's my full time. Wow. I'm going for it. Yeah. So I'm not paying my mortgage very well yet, but uh, I'm getting there. Because you make money how? So, <laughs> no, I mean, let's be honest. Let's, yeah, I mean, we... So I buy at 50%. So um, I don't buy at California Wholesale. I started buying at California Wholesale and the numbers don't pencil out. So yeah. um, I buy at 50% now. Uh, and most of that goes to shipping because we do offer to pretty subsidized shipping. So it's ten dollars for a six pack and twenty bucks for a wow, case. Wow, you do subsidize. Yeah. yeah, we have to. I mean, we have to do something. So, um, because I don't want to discount the wines. I don't ever want to discount the wines. I think that that's just a crummy practice, and it discounts the person's integrity in some way. And so, whatever, we do shipping instead. And so the fifty percent, um, mo- a lot of it gets eaten up by the shipping, and then I take what's left over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You've been in marketing. You never want to lead with we're the low price. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like the low price yeah. leader. But you have to give somebody something if they're going to be a member and be paying. I mean, in my mind, they're paying for the information and the access to um, to, you know, find out about these small winemakers. But I also want it to be beneficial for the winemakers. So, like, you know, after the offer ends, we give the winemakers the email addresses of everyone who's bought their wine so that they nice. can, like, go forth and remarket to them. Hopefully they'll send an email one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's especially the last couple of years. I mean, we really never had a competition. It was more about all of a sudden it was e-commerce and everything that we were doing was like, all right, it was shipping discounts and things like that. You get a three pack for this amount or a six pack mm-hmm. or a case. And it shows and especially nowadays with shipping just being so heinous. It's like I feel like it's the only way to kind of cut it. Yeah, I have a um, quite an Amazon rant about our the way we trained ourselves into expecting free shipping, it's frustrating, but that's where we're at. So you have to do something, unfortunately, and that's where it goes. Yeah. So let's talk numbers. How yeah. many people are actively like members, all, members and, and like, you know, how, how much are they purchasing? And um, so we have right now um, just over 300 members. 
um, and we just finished year one. So I, that's about what I expected, where I expected to be at. Um, I think I'll probably have to cap the number somewhere around 500, somewhere between five and 600, just because the cases will, I'll start to, will add up and a lot of small brands can't offer, you know, more than 30 cases at drop or so. Mm -hmm. So right now we're selling anywhere for an offer, anywhere from 10 to 25 cases, um, anywhere in there. It kind of depends. And, and I, I don't yet know the, I don't see enough of like a trend of like, oh, this sells, this doesn't people like Mervet and they don't like cab or they want to, you know, like we just had a cab that was a hundred dollars and it sold super well. And I don't see what the pattern is yet for what people buy and don't buy. For a minute, I thought maybe we, people didn't like women winemakers, but then that was scrapped. And so I don't yet know like what the co winning combos necessarily are. But um, we're, anyway, we're selling somewhere between 10 and 20 cases-ish. And and do you have an idea? I, I, I was going to ask that question. Like, what, what, are the, your, what are your members, not members, what do you ever... What do they like? So that doesn't work. But do you have an idea of their like their age group? Yeah, um, it's it's mostly people and, and in their, where they're located all over the country. So, I mean, we do are kind of California heavy, but we have a fair amount of people in Texas. There's a fair amount of people in Baltimore for some reason that I mean, I, I know one person there, but I don't know a lot of people there. Um, yeah, I, I kind of all over. Um, there's a handful in Chicago, which I expect. Um, there's not as many people from New York yet, which I don't understand why but there's just not um and what was the other part of that question well what they like well no no because you kind of answered yeah. that um what uh, what is their age range is it y typically younger people uh i'd say mostly people in their 40s is where what i see on the zooms is people in their 40s um so people my age i think that uh you know <laughs> my theory on my working theory on like generation uh, buying habits is like there are some boomers that are in the group, obviously. Um, but I think by and large, like a lot of times boomers are like, I drink this wine. I only drink this wine. This is my wine. This is what I drink. You know, like they don't they're not super exploratory. And I think uh, this is a really good program for millennials. They love to have subscriptions like they love to have a variety of things. Um, and so I think they're starting to participate more and, you know, the average price is $30 a bottle. So, you know, it, nothing is super expensive, but it's still like kind of a little bit of a leap. I think in the people that are in the forties, uh, we're kind of in this weird middle ground and we're a lot more cynical. So like, we kind of know that the advertising and the marketing is a lot of bullshit like the millennials, but then we're also really lazy and cynical and are kind of like, whatever, I'll drink whatever. <laughs> and so I think we're kind of the right market well, for this. Can we, can we talk about that for a second, just in the sort of larger yeah, totally. I love the larger about that. aspect of this conversation that's sort of ongoing with millennial, you know, this the sort of millennial dread of millennials not buying wine, blah blah blah. And, and you know, we've oftentimes, you know, sixteen six hundred, but also podcast guest wineries don't have that problem because we offer the things that millennials are actually looking for. But lost in that conversation, it's always boomers X, millennials Y, yeah. and. Nobody talks about Gen X. And as you know, I'm the youngest person at the table and sort of on this weird cusp between being a millennial and Gen X. Like I, you know, had a phone with a cord and didn't have Internet until I got into college, those sorts of things. Um, My phone was a piece of string and a paper cup. And I'm a Gen well, Xer, yo. Yeah, well, Same. you know, yeah. Ben. That's because that's, that's the, the authorities wouldn't let you near telecommunications equipment, probably. Oh, I'm so tech-tarded anyway, yeah. so it's just I'm flying with paper. But let's talk about yeah. Gen X and wine buying, because obviously, you know, we can't 
as a wine industry, we know the limitations of the baby boomer generation and we're, you know, sort of continually headbutting the limitations of the millennial generation, but no one ever ever talks about Gen X. Yeah. And clearly that's like a group of people who are moving into peak wine buying ability and yes bart rubs his fingers together uh it is yeah they have financial means they're you know aging and you know houses are getting paid off that sort of um age group what is it like you know you've obviously this is you know your your my people your people (laughs) um what are they buying how are they buying i think that they're you know i think they're kind of this wonderful combination between those the boomers and the millennials to be honest because i mean they're definitely a cynical generation but also very curious and i think not interested in you know one thing interested in exploration a little bit more um and you know have the money but like aren't aren't super impressed by you know a hundred dollar bottle of wine unless you know like what does that mean a hundred dollars i could do a lot of other things so i think if if you find things that over deliver for the price point that's impressive i think for 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 my people (laughs) um right and oh yeah because we the thing is we test everything there was like our classes it wasn't just black and white we want to know everything else it wasn't just two choices and the idea of exploration. I mean, it's just, we're the travelers. We're the ones that, you know, want to read stuff that we couldn't read anymore. Yeah. You, know, you want to experiment with it. We made you know? farmer's markets a thing. Exactly. We're <laughs> like the pandemic. We're told to sit on our ass and do nothing. Hell yeah, man. I'm a Gen Xer. That was my loss. Sit on my ass and watch shit. Hell yes. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. Drink anything. Fine. Well, you know, I don't think Gen Xers were doing the whole dryuary. We're like, whatever. I'll just, you know, drink less. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's, yeah. Like that makes absolutely no sense. But we're, because we've got we've got pushed on one side, and then we got just squeezed pe- on the other. Yeah, squeezed like. on the other. And we're like, whatever. We wanna we wanna do things that we like. Yeah. And it's and but we're still about community and like the whole village. So it's, yeah. Let's try this. What's that on the menu? I've never had you know pig brain. Well, let's try it. Okay. Well, that was nasty. But at least I know I tried it instead of people saying like, oh, this is terrible. Well, have you had it? No. Well. But you're, what are you comparing this to? Yeah. Meanwhile, millennials are eating plant-based pig brain, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was this big carrot. <laughs> yeah. And we, I mean, we are a smaller generation, but like if you're a small business, it's still a super valid generation to think about and work with, you know? And we're not breeder. I mean, you're a breeder, but a lot of Gen Xers were just like, I, I didn't breed. So it was just like, I, yeah. a lot of us wanted to do things and experiment and try yeah. stuff. I only read once. I didn't go crazy. Yeah, no, I read the method for years and I've been fantastic. So I understand. Yeah. We're verging into more of your podcast territory here, John. A little healthcare minute. But then on the back of the bottle it says will cause pregnancy. So will cause pregnancy? While on a forklift. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Well, if consumed on a forklift, yeah. we'll wake up positive to something on a yeah. little test trip. That must have been an added thought. <laughs> to the back label it's hey it's made a government warning uh, according to the general surgeon um if you've been drinking on a forklift and you're with your honey good things might become threes i think that works on a horse too <laughs> <laughs> so tara will you talk about the first couple of wines that we tried the first one we 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 pre-airing yeah pre-air totally uh, yeah. this is um this is major wine and uh, andrew major is a fucking awesome person, man. He uh, lives down in LA and he's in distribution. 
And uh, he's good friends with Andrew Jones, um, who has field recordings, and he's like one of the people responsible for most of the badass plantings in Southern and Central California. Anyway, he found this one block of Larero, which they think is probably the only block of Larero in the country. Wait, and will you spell that for our podcast yes. listeners? Because that's I'm unfamiliar with that. L O U R E I R O. Just how and I it's it was spelled. Yeah, it's right. uh, <laughs> one of the main grapes in Vino Verde. Interesting. Okay. So, hence, like the <laughs> breakfast like, oh, wine part of it. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, and then he puts it in a bright tank and uh, adds a little spritz to it. So it has the amount of spritz as a lightly carbonated beverage. Yeah. So it's just a little spritzy. So it's definitely a um, morning drinker <laughs> for me. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he makes a Valdegui. He makes a Pinot Noir. And uh, and this Larero and him and Andrew have actually just planted uh, maybe this is the third leaf will be um, uh, Shirello, which is uh, one of the grapes in Cava, and they it's the first planting that they know of in California or in America of Shirello, which will be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, they're doing really cool stuff. And that was and that's all all those grapes that you just talked about are all from the same. AVA or same so, vineyard? Uh, the Larero is from uh, Santa Inez Valley. It's a vineyard called um, Estelle Vineyard. Uh, the Valdegui is from Shell Creek. Um, the Pinot Noir, I can't remember where his Pinot is from, um, but also Santa Barbara area. Okay. Yeah. And, the, and the, how did you get introduced to that wine? So I met Andrew because I used to work at White Rock Vineyards in Napa and I did the wholesale for them. And so I was in L.A. He had the book that we were in at the time. And so I went down to do a work with with him. And it was one of those work with that, like, you know, you, after like 10 minutes, you're like, are we going to have dinner together at your house with your family? And I'm going to just spend the night on your couch. <laughs> like We're just going to be best friends now. <laughs> and he's he's just a rad person. His family's awesome. And so when I started on route, I called him and he's introduced me to a lot of people that are in the like Paso and Santa Barbara area because he knows that region in that wine world so yeah. he's been really helpful and his wines are pretty kick-ass yeah and so how far are you willing to go so like we're, we're not just talking about local wines we're talking yeah. about central and southern california but if you found something from washington oregon i would love to i can't figure out financially how to do it yet and make it make sense um i would love to branch out into the rest of the country i'd love to branch out into the the world if i could figure yeah. out financially how to do it right um so one step at a time but yes i would love to pull stuff from oregon and washington would be awesome at this point how many different wineries have you had so we do two a month and uh november was a year so that was 24 uh december january february so it's uh 30 yeah so it's been it's been a two different producers every month every month since november of 2020 yeah wow and is there any is there any um, logic to the pairings? To who I pick? Yeah, so like you know, one person kind of specializes in red, one in white. I try not to like you know do Chenin Blanc seventeen times in a row. Yeah. Um, so I try to like curate it a little bit. So there's. Like... Oh, sorry, and that's the end of the show. Bart, <laughs> <laughs> where are you going? I love Chenin Blanc. Bart, you make Chenin Blanc. <laughs> Do you, do you know about Shannon? Have you ever had Shannon before? <laughs> Someday I'm going to make Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> and find a new podcast. <laughs> Can I have some Shannon, actually? Um, I try to, yeah, I try to just kind of curate it. So, like, if, you know, if you're following it, it, it's something new and interesting all the time. Yeah. Um, and then, 
yeah the other like qualifiers are has to be super i like refreshing wine red or white i like it to be refreshing and i want it to over deliver for the price point yeah and i want the person who made it to not be a dick those are that's a big qualifier too here here that's (laughs) (laughs) tough tough rose to hoe in the wine industry right right at least have a soul right Mm. yeah and I agree. And so, and so, so, how do you get introduced? Like, is it just day to day? Do you have like a list of people that, like, are you have like a, the next year for you is basically planned? Where you're like, oh, I have this whole. Book I have this full of year people. pretty planned. I have like a hole in October, I think, and there's probably find probably <coughs> a space in November. Excuse me, hole in October. Um, <laughs> you're a hole in October. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. The writings in the bathroom wall were correct. <laughs> there's no shortage you know so it's really just like finding the right place to put people and when's the right time to show something and um there's not a shortage of winemakers which is cool yeah um yeah i i i I don't feel like so there's not a shortage of cool winemakers then also right so far so far that's true you know right ben right ben oh well the whole dick part though so yeah, I think I'll be dickless shortly, <laughs> <laughs> and all soul and charming. <laughs> Just talk less, and you'll sell more wine. Is yep. that, is that <laughs> the plan? Just smile. <laughs> it's not a bad t- tactic for you. That's, uh, <laughs> it worked when I was up to three years old. <laughs> that works for me sometimes at work too. I find that the less that I talk at the tables, the the more wine I sell. Yeah, yeah. Or or maybe I should say if I'm hungover and I'm just not talking as much for some reason i seem to sell more wine mm-hmm. yeah it's been a consistent theme <laughs> career long <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> and so the second wine we tried was this is the, found this is yeah. my uh my origin wine um this is a riesling from monterey and yeah. so uh and um Andrew and Mabel uh, make this wine. Andrew is the assistant winemaker at White Rock now, and his wife Mabel is the winemaker at Bravante up on Hell Mountain. So they both are know their shit. Um, you know, to me, this Riesling, like when I tasted it, I was like, "Fuck! I wish people knew what Riesling could be like in America." You know, like right. we just think that everybody. I, I want to have this conversation, right? About it doesn't have to be petrol. It doesn't have to be easily it doesn't have to be gigantic it doesn't have to be oily like it can be all this 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 style is like just kind of blew my mind it's just so super refreshing really interesting really nuanced and really layered but also just kind of basic wine that's just beautiful you know and i don't think that if you saw riesling on a list you would ever expect something like this and i want to get that conversation going about riesling in america what it can be and with a lot of these wines it's like how without having you point people in the right direction, like, like where are these wines available besides you actually having to know that they're out there? That's it. Just the web, like their websites. Uh, Andrew does have a little bit of uh, distribution in LA cause that's where he lives. So he, you know, he's in distribution. So he has some, but just in Southern California. So um, yeah, just people's websites. Like, I mean, th- this, the next one complant, uh, I think they make 50 cases of this wine and it's just on the website. The same with the found it was 50 cases. Wow. So they're super tiny. I mean, it's really only, I mean, really, I don't know who else would know about them. Because <laughs> at that me point, and their parents. <laughs> like, I don't know too much about distribution. I just buy from people. Is like, if you only make 50 cases of something, can you even like have a distributor? Do they even, are they even interested in talking Often, to you? No, yeah. 
up yeah. none. Yeah, I mean, there's our small brokers that would be regional, but right. you know, I, I, and then again, you know, selling to uh, small distributors, you may only sell ten or fifteen cases. Well, Sam, you have more experience than I do. I mean, how much do you sell on a small distributor as a winery your size? I mean, you know, a couple pallets a year. Yeah, you know. Maybe three, four pallets, depending on. But you know, even then, like the wines that we've had success in distribution are things that we make slightly more of than our. You know, yeah. we're not putting the fifty case, you know, muchas piedras, or even like the hundred and fifty case. You know, lots into it's just like the the amount of time that you would spend to sell that wine at the price that you sell it at to a distributor, you know, and flying to wherever and doing the work. It's just like those numbers don't add up. Right. Totally. So if you're making 50 cases of something and you have a small list or no list, it seems like you want to, you want to sell it yourself or, you know, at 50% of, of retail and sell it all in a month. Um, I mean, that's, and then go back to, you know, doing your own, your regular job uh, successfully. Yeah. And that seems like uh, pretty much the way, right? I mean, that's that kind of the only way. But you have a tasting room. So. Right, and I have a tasting room. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, well, that way make, does uh, it. You know, we're making 2,500 cases, but it's, it's a whole exactly. different, like, yeah. we're, you mm-hmm. know, we're... Too, people, too small for this, but too big to be too small, exactly, yeah. too big for this, but too small mm-hmm. for distribution. Right? right. Right. So, but people will come to you. Right. And then I think for, you know, we're small. I mean, we do 1500 cases, but we distribute a bunch. And the thing is, it's, it, it might not be financially worth it in the beginning, but as time goes, you you establish a market and people know. And then when they even go to the shelf and they see this thing and that it could be any kind of small town and they grab it and then they bring it home and they have dinner people that aren't traveling out here and then so it, it is a way where it expands i mean when we first started doing distribution like eight years ago i mean it was yeah you're you're digging in the hole but now it's just like i got a call the other day some like someone's daughter bought a, a wine in dc and brought it up to her house and she goes i'm a club member for these guys and it was just like a random thing and they're like look, look at this kind of connection and then so because of that now there's this idle moment you have the kind of this warmth of all these things, and now and that starts kind of spreading out. That's really cool. So, so Ben, how many different markets are you distributed in? And then, you know, how much do you sell in those with those those places? You know, I mean, basically. are we talking before pandemic? Are we talking? I mean, because uh, I mean, whatever you want to talk about, you know, right. whatever is truly relevant. How about that? Okay, so let's see. So Germany, uh, that's not quite happening anymore. Uh, DC, Maryland, that's it's slowly kind of coming back up. But our Midwest, um, Iowa, was just slaying it. I mean, it's you know everyone has done different things for the pandemic, and it would be probably a pallet every few months. And was and it's great. And when people, you know, when I go out there, and you know, it's just it's like I don't look like a country club guy, don't feel like it. But man, I go out there to do dinners, and people are just getting sloshy, and they're buying tons of things, and you just kind of get this lovely kind of connection. And and I think the other thing that's interesting with you is this: the cities you mentioned or the states you mentioned, they're not the they're it's not it wasn't New York, it wasn't Chicago, it wasn't Dallas, right? And so you're picking um, cities where they're they don't get a lot of people coming through and when they do see you they're really happy to see you oh yeah the red carpet comes out and you know i'm signing uh bottles or breasts or whatever i need to do and it's just like you know you're you're saying because they also the competition is less and they appreciate i mean you just it's so much more down to earth yeah new york new york it's where are you you doing well in uh, iowa that's my home state uh des moines and dismal des (laughs) yes the the oasis in the cornfield yeah it's a little french town 
uh, where you get the, the we, smell we, from the uh-huh. refinery from the slaughter plants, um, and Ames, where Iowa State. So uh-huh. friends and stuff that hooked me up with the distributor, and now like total cool. Iowa State kind of follower of things, and it's and it's great. You know, like next hit Iowa City. Yes, it's it's on the it's, list. It's Again, you know, very, also very small town distribution place. Too, yeah, but so you'll, it's you'll not, like it. You'll do well there. Oh yeah, a lot of idle moments in Iowa City. Oh yeah, no, it's fantastic. And, and then you, sorry to interrupt, okay. you, you might want to open up your white before, um, um, so you can slide one, in here somewhere. We got one more white. Yeah, 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 no, 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 we're good. Refreshing high acid Chardonnay, Brian? Refreshing high acid Chardonnay. Hmm, let me think about that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Does it 11, actually say that on the point, bottle? 11.67. I've never seen the alcohol in the... Well, now that's hundreds. a label printed after bottling. Exactly. <laughs> How do you get that specific? Or clearly, they're not people who round <laughs> one way or the other. That is um, a Chardonnay from the Linda Vista Vineyard that is owned by Jill and Steve Mathiason, and uh, they don't sell a ton of fruit, so being able to get their hands on this was pretty cool. So the, this brand is um, made by Sam Kivel, uh, Sam Barron, who works at Kivelstadt Cellars. Um, and his dad, Dan, Daniel Barron, who um, started uh, Dominus, he worked at Petrus and then started Dominus uh, with Christian Wex. And then he was the winemaker at um, Silver Oak and started Toomey for 25 years. And so they make a Chardonnay. I know. I saw that. They make a Chard, a Pinot, and a Cab, and they are tits. Yeah. No, yeah. I like this. I know. Me too. It's, um, yeah, there's this, like... No, it's not. It's not for under twelve percent. It's it's got this like dulce de leche kind of like thing happening on the edges. Yeah. Where it's like it's not oaky. No. But it's got which you know you'd expect the, the oak influence would be the sort of like caramelization of a chardonnay. But it doesn't have that. It just has these like little edges of it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's delicious wine. That's what chardonnay is supposed to be like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that is so. So, how did you get connected with that one? Because if you're talking about Matthiasen, Matthiasen doesn't need a lot of help in selling. No, certainly wines, not. Um, co- so com- the guys from Complant. Uh, let's see. How did I meet them? I met Sam. I think maybe from Ryan Pass is how I met him. Ryan Pass is the winemaker at Farella, and he has a brand called Pass Wines, and he also makes a Chea. And I, I think maybe he introduced me to Sam. Um, I think is how I met them. It's really mo- like it's really mostly been word of mouth. And even you know now there have been people that are like, oh, I have a wine brand and I could fit your thing. Can I send you some wine? But usually it, it turns out once I talk to them, we, we know seventeen thousand of the same people. So, yeah. I mean, this is a a small industry. Well, can we do the 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 Terra Jane bio a little bit? Because obviously White Rock, big name. You have a a British Virgin Islands water bottle. You were in you were in the Virgin Islands for a while. So talk about maybe how you got into wine and where you came from and some of the some of the you know career highlights on the yeah along the way. Um, I grew up in Miami on a sailboat with my dad, and then I went to college at Evergreen College in Olympia, Washington. I got waitlisted. <laughs> you would have liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you would have probably been too much. They probably knew better than the Brit. <laughs> um, and then I was living in New York City after college. Um, and I was it was the first like dot com era 
in the 90s in the late 90s and um i worked for a dot com uh that was that what we did was we were like an incubator for other startups and we then we would take them through a couple rounds of funding and so i was like 20 and i was having these fancy dinners all the time with these like really rich old white dudes that did venture capital and i had nothing to talk to them about and we would be at dinner and they would be like talking about where their wives were summering and where their kids were going to camp. And I would kind of be like, TikTok, I want to do shots with my friends. I want to get out of here. And a friend of mine said, why don't you take a class about wine? Cause you're drinking all these awesome wines. Why don't you take a class about it? Then you have something to talk about. Sounds smart. Besides, <laughs> and, besides sailboats. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they don't, uh, it was, no. that, was, okay. that wasn't good. Um, I didn't, I didn't let grow up on a yacht. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, so I took those classes and I just felt like, oh my God, there's this whole world that's way more interesting than what I'm doing now. Um, and then uh, after 9 11, uh, it was a rough time in New York. And my dad's friend that I had grown up with, um, he was taking his boat down island in the Caribbean to register it at each island to sell it. And he was like, I can't pay you, but I'll pay for you if you want to come and just get out of New York. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. So I put my stuff in storage in Jersey and I went sailing with him for about a year. And then uh, when I was done, I didn't really want to go back to New York and wanted to stay in the Caribbean. So I ended up in the Virgin Imagine Islands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shocker. Say goodbye to that old mattress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sitting in that Jersey it's storage. Probably still in Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was on an episode of Storage Wars. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone good got it. <laughs> One eight hundred mattress. My first mattress. I totally remember. Um, anyway, so then I worked in restaurants. I worked on boats, and then I worked on restaurants. And you know, in the in the in St. John, I, where the island I lived on, there's really not a whole lot to do except for swimming and eating. So there's some really incredible restaurants. And so, hence also really good wine. And one of the things about the VI is that they get um, an international allocation from a lot of wineries in the states. Um, even though it's technically part of the States. But so we got these really incredible wines down there. So I just had access to a lot of wine, a lot of people who also were really interested in wine. So I just kind of kept learning that way and then got into distribution down there. And so did distribution down in the VI and, and then in St. Martin where you just were. Yeah. Um, and then came here in 2013. And, and what was the reason for coming here? Well, it was kind of like just coming to the motherland of learning, you know, like there, you kind of when you're not in a place and you're, you know, I was doing a lot of teaching and we were getting flown to places to teach um, and to do like, you know, classes. And when every time I'd come out here, I came out here to California, Oregon, Washington, and came out a lot. And every time I went back, I was like, oh, I can actually tell you the answer to this because I just learned it now. Now I know the answer for real instead of like, oh, I read this in a book and I can just say it to you again. And so I was really just wanted to come out and. I don't know, do harvest and get filthy and be in tanks and figure out what that all meant and learn. I don't, I never wanted to be a winemaker. I never wanted to work in a vineyard, but I think it's super important. Like in a restaurant that, you know, you know, all the stations, like if you're going to be in an industry, you should know all the parts so you can talk about it intelligently and understand why from beginning to end, why it's like what it is, you know? Yeah. And That's so fine. what was that first job when you got here? At White Rock. Wow, first, okay. Yeah, I landed white, I just super lucky. I love that family so much and those wines are killer. And I, you know, at the time I was the first employee that they ever hired that wasn't a seller person. And so at the time they really needed to make a lot of changes. Um, and they checked all of my boxes. You know, I wanted to work at a family vineyard. I wanted to be able to be in the cellar. I wanted to like learn all of the parts and they, for whatever reason, allowed me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're amazing. I love that family so much and I love that property and it's just a really special 
piece of the world. So that's the, so that there's the best part of that job. What was the thing that kind of surprised you that was kind of like the oh shit kind of part of the job? Oh, well, there's no money in wine. There you go. <laughs> the money. <laughs> like, if you there need. Is. <laughs> yeah, if you need to make an improvement to the cave and you don't have like $3 million, you're kind of fucked. So <laughs> that's really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that part's super frustrating. Yeah, the money part. Yeah. It's the bummer. And so then did you have to take another job to. To supplement? Uh, no, I worked there and for years and was just poor and just loved them and had a great life working for them. I was just broke. Yeah. Um, and then I left and started consulting and you can charge a lot more and work for people that have more money, you yeah. know, but it wasn't, I never, I never got all of the experience again after that of like being in cellar and, you know, I can talk to vineyard people and cellar people a lot now, but being in, at White Rock, I could do all the things too and learn really hands-on. That was awesome. Cool. All right. So, Ben, I think this is where you step in. Left or right? <laughs> I say oh. let's – let's if, for people that didn't Just listen to the who, – who don't know who Ben is. I mean, Ben, you've been on the show before. I, I got to meet you through the girl in the fig because you happen to do some but, Rhone varietals. But, and that was that – was, a couple of years ago now, right? Yeah, uh, I was actually looking at it because somebody was asking when I was on, and it was uh, January 2019. We had this thing called, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, rain. There was a lot of rain uh, in the thing, so we had it like? at your house. It's, what? it's yeah, and it's, and it's weird, and you have to change your clothes, and you make sounds like brr. Hmm. Yeah, this is a little bit different. Sounds cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this was up at Bart's house. Yep. Okay. I don't think Bart was there though. That was kind of cool. And oh wait, you were. <laughs> and I, I don't think most people know that you actually have a partner. A uh, business partner, yes. Yeah. Who, who is he? The money guy or what? Um, he has he had a little bit more money than I did, but we we both. Now he's in the wine business, so yeah. he doesn't have yeah. it anymore. No, I mean, took care of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Sucka. we. Yeah, pretty much. We took a whole bunch of rolled nickels and we were able to start a wine brand. No, it's, yeah, he, he started it kind of before I did where he had a little bit more cash and then I was throwing the cash and then, you know, we had that kind of asshole balance and stuff. But the thing is like, we didn't want, you know, as we were thinking about it and like, what, so we have no investors, we have no bankers. So there's a the part where, yeah, we own every part of the wine label, but you know, then, so people are not telling us what to do. So there's that fantastic thing, but you know, we don't own vineyards, but we build the contracts and you know, we don't own the winery. So you're talking about the $3 million to build a cave. Like, shit, we don't have a cave. We'll just, where we make it is a cave and let them deal with it. But then it would be nice to have $3 million, but then I'd be living on the British Virgin Islands. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you, and, yeah, <laughs> I think you talked about this, Ben, or, or we've talked about this before. It allowed you to be, be very lean. Right. Which yeah. sometimes is sometimes is how you survive in the wine business is being lean. Um, so it's it, it it makes it more fun and challenging. I like the challenge. Uh, you know, there's the idea of having the recipe of what we we're going to do. And all of a sudden, OK, it's like it's fires, it's floods, it's King Kong versus Godzilla. It's like, all right, we only have enough cash for this. Like, OK, let's see what we're going to do to pull this off. And it's you know, we, we have the idea of like the eight steps that we need to take, but we're like, it's still step by step. Like in the beginning, I mean, it was like, we had no cash for kegs for topping. And we're like, all right, well, let's just kind of go to Berkeley and check out all the kind of fraternity parties. And they always have kegs on the grass when they're all passed out. And next thing you know, we ended up with a whole bunch of kegs at the winery. I don't know how that happened. It was so weird, but it's, you know, we're, we're all set. And a lot of the first vintage sort of tastes like Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah. But other than that, it was a great plan. <laughs> 
I mean, more Natty Light. But yes, I mean, maybe that's, I think that's what the sticker on the thing said. That's, you know, it, you, you do what you have to do. I mean, we, you know, we're buying kind of old barrels from people. People are donating. And it's, you you go that route. And then it's like, all right, you have enough cash for this time. We're like, all right, let's just see what we're going to do to kind of operate. Right. It's, you, you need to know what's coming down the pike. But sometimes you can't, you don't know that. You know, right. Like recently, the way glass prices have gone right. up. Right. But Even, one nice thing about, you know, there was, that was for, it's for 2020 wines and um, darkness becomes light. You know, we had the fire and we, the only thing we were able to pick was Sauvignon Blanc. So we have nothing to bottle. So we're like, all right. So we actually saved money. But then the way, I mean, we've been doing this now for 15 years. So we do have a library. And so, all right. So now allocations is different. How are we going to hold things back? release more some of the library wines we'll have more access to and you're like all right so it's just kind of a different kind of bob and weave to make it work and that part was lucky in a really dark manner yeah pretty stoked about this the 2022 bottling bills that are coming yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh yeah our expenses were way down this year yeah. uh, <laughs> i only bottled 20 cases but yeah it's yeah, great it's, it's fine <laughs> the widgets are off yeah yeah, everyone's like going to look at 2020 anyway, like, oh, yeah, you know, that was like the almost the fall of democracy and the fires. Like, kind of happy I didn't have any that much wine that year. I'm like, all right. I don't think it'll be a coveted vintage. I think everybody just wants to move the fuck on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless you had a baby in 2020. I don't think there's a whole lot of, like, collecting nope. 2020s yeah. to yep. remember. You didn't get married in 2020. We know that. Right. Yeah. Yep. You weren't allowed to. <laughs> yeah. no, no anniversary wines you need to collect. Mm-hmm. You're the divorce, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> a lot of divorce wines. <laughs> Spending a little too much time together. <laughs> but Ben, how did you start the, the, like, where did you come from when you started Idle Sellers and what, and why did you call it Idle Sellers? It, I was actually a teacher uh, beforehand. So, you know, kids are going to be the future drinkers. And actually now they're all probably legal <laughs> enough to drink. So that's fantastic. And, you know, the pandemic has probably helped them with that. Um, <laughs> and they're looking you up. Yeah, they're like, oh, I remember that guy. He was Mr. teaching us how to carve Mr. stone, Mars. and it was great. And he was kind of like a dick. You had to be kind of a little asshole as a teacher. But now it's like, oh, I get it. Now I understand what's going on. Um, I knew the assistant winemaker at um, Deerfield down in Kenwood, and he goes, hey, you want to work harvest? I'm like, sure. Like, you know, been living in the area for already for, you know, feels like decades. And you're surrounded by grapes. And I knew nothing about wine. I'm like, all right, where's the chocolate and the peanut butter that you put in to get those flavors? They're just <laughs> like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, all right, I want to do it. And they were going to go around my teaching schedule. And it was, it was so 2007. And I'm working, God, I think I worked 70 days in a row. you know. And it's just, you know, for having a custom crush facility, I mean, there was eight other winemakers. So I'm like, oh, my God, you get to try cab from Napa. And Sonoma, from a mountain to a valley. I'm like, oh, there really is a difference. I go, oh, it's like going to the grocery store and having all the different kind of peaches. Like, okay, you do taste it, and you, it, it does feel different, and it smells different. All right, oh, now the barrels. Like, oh, there's Hungarian oak and American and French and a heavy toast and a medium light. Like, all right, so that, that chef in me, would, and the artist was like, oh, my God, this is killer. And the idea with teaching, you know, you're, you're present. You're watching kids. You know, if a kid starts grabbing his arms and leaning forward, okay, they're cold. They need a jacket. If they're spazzy, all right, we need to do an activity to get them going. And the idea of winemaking was very similar. You're just observing what's going, in a way, what going on with the grapes, you know, until you start trying to teach adults how to drink. But the idea is like, oh, okay, now's the time because now the sugars and the acid are right. Oh, this is a rainy day. This is what needs to be done. Oh, it's too much of a warm. This is 
I where think, we have to go direct. I think actually what you're talking about is working in a custom crush place and watching the different winemakers come in. And oh, some yeah. of them bob their heads around <laughs> yeah. and they're they're not cold, they're worried. And some of them are, you know, it's all about them. And um, that's really what, where you're you're learning about kids came in handy. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, and it's, and especially you're watching guys who are younger than me and, you know, they're start stressing over everything. And you're like, it's out of your hands. Like, you know, there's a part where you feel like you're in control, but like, shit, we're not in control of everything. You know, I feel like it's like a cat and a ball of yarn and we're just kind of batting it around. I mean, it's <laughs> some guy was freaking out over shipping. Like it's gone. It's out of your hand. If it gets to him solid, man, that's great. If not, all right, well you have more and you ship it again. It's, It'll, it'll be all right. There's always ways to fix it. And it's after that following year, I ended up being seller master. Everyone kind of got fired and I was running whatever, a $10 million last, winery. Last man standing. It was fantastic. Like access to like thousands of barrels. I'm making blends of wines. It was like 18 different kind of wines in a thing. I'm like, this is fantastic. And you realize it's, you're either going to have a problem and this is with everything. You, there's, there's always problems and you're either going to treat it like it's a mountain or a pebble. And you're like, all right, this is what we can do to fix it. Or you can start freaking out and screaming. You're like, that does nothing. I'm like, all right, tank is leaking. No. I'm like, all right, let's see. Close it up. Let's clean the other tank. Let's prep it up. Get all the kind of the gears, everything together. Let's get that pump, clean the pump, and let's pump the juice over. And I've seen people start freaking out and crying. Like, that doesn't do shit. Like, you have to. And that's with every little thing. Like, you know, we've had all the fires. And the idea is like, all right, what do we, you can't know what's going to happen the next day. We're like, all right, well, this is, let's take care of stuff. Let's water people's houses. Let's, you know, create fire lines. And you do what you need to do to kind of get through. This is the Gen X shit coming through. Mm-hmm. And at that, so at that point, when you decided to, to start the label, how many wines are you making? Um, at that time, we were doing, we started with one ton. Um, and then. Good start. Just start, you know, just <laughs> yeah. one pallet to see what people like. That's you know. how us growers hook them. You got it. Here's your ton. Little taste. Here's it was the taste. crack at the playground. You're like, wow, this is really good. And, you know, you know, parents are always going to love it and no matter what. So like, all right, friends, you know, you can trust them enough, but you have to start getting it out and see what's going on. And they start liking it. They're like, all right, so I guess we know what we're doing. But let's buy more fruit. And then the following year was two varietals and the following year was three. So it just kind of kept growing more of organically and just kind of it's spreading. That's that dandruff commercial. And everyone was just telling other people. And, and, you know, you asked the name. So it's idle. And that first harvest, you know, where we're working, it was, I think it was like the 30th day in a row. It was, we had some beers, you know, the Kings of Leon was playing. There might've been something that was shaped like a joint in a hand. And you're just like in your zone and you're sorting fruit and you're in that moment. And somebody stood back and you're like, man, I enjoy this idle moment. And it's that zone, you know, when you're with like workers that become family and you're just enjoying this beautiful spot. You're like, yeah, let's forget about all that other shit, the stuff that stresses us. And that's the whole point of wine is you take that sip and you're like, oh, this is where I am. You're, you're, we're tasting. We're not drinking. We're not slamming. You're just, you know, watching the ocean or just watching a sunset or just breathing. And I mean, that's the idea with the wine as the, you know, oxygen opens it up, it changes and gets better. And that's our, I think is like, okay, let's slow it down. Like, yeah, let's take that to wine. And that we love that. And one of our, there's a great jazz musician, uh, Graham Green, who has an album called the idle moments. And it's like 16 minutes of just, you know, jazz, just, where the hell is it going to go and blowing horns and you know keyboards kind of bouncing around pianos going pop 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 and you just you don't know you just you let it take you for a ride like that to us is like that's wine 
Beautiful. Yeah. And so Ben's on his game, man. Yeah, right. So, and so let people know um, the website. Ah, here we go. That's it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, you know, wine is senses. You know, it's like, you know, we talked idea about taste, but it's, it, it's smell, it's feel, it's that being. It's, you know, we're, you, you put an apple in the middle of the table and ask everyone here to talk about it. And somebody's going to talk about the color and the taste, the crunch, the feel. Oh, I had it in an apple pie. And wine will do the same thing. Music does the same thing. You know, you're always talking about music and, you know, the dead and, and how every time they play a song, it's different. And every time I take a sip of wine, it's going to be different. Like, oh, there's that. Oh, I'm going to fix that later and try it this way. Yeah. And what are we drinking right now? We're drinking Viognier. Viognier. 2018 Cake Ranch. Cake Ranch. And how did you get hooked up with Cake Ranch? Um, random enough. I actually found them online. Huh. Um, I don't think it was Tinder. I guess it was the wine version of Tinder. Or Grinder. It was, I mean, it Swipe was low hanging. To buy fruit. Yeah. It, wa- it was low hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the, owner at the time and you know who the hell he's like you know who the hell are you two numbnuts that want to take the fruit and because we're doing grenache from there we wanted to try it and so you know it, it is it is like tinder he's like all right what are you guys going to do with the fruit because we're all about vineyard designate and we want to make sure the fruit is solid so we're like all right are you doing organic practices sustainable what do we have in charge with so you build that up and all of a sudden, we produce something. He tried from the barrel and said, like, all right, you guys kick ass. Let's let's keep this relationship going. And we're like, all right, well, you like what you're doing. So it's going. And, you know, so with the Vignet, we were doing it kind of every other year. And it's 2018. And we always do it by the taste, especially because every year is different. So we did 60% uh, neutral French barrels and then uh, for fermentation. And the rest is stainless steel tank. Kind of kept them separately and then kind of worked on the blend about a month before we bottled it. And what? And at what point did? Because I'm pretty sure you moved out of Deerfield. And I'm back. You are. Yes. Yes. You know, so that one girlfriend. You know, you're kind of think about. And it's you know it's a beautiful view and it's a nice kind of little cave. But you're talking about your production. My production stuff. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, you know, we're doing uh, appointment only tastings now, so we we're able to kind of get that part of the license. So okay. you got to talk about just being so independent. You're like, all right, so. I'm doing the office shit. You figure out the labels. Um, you're making the wine. Like right now, you get to do the tasting. Like, okay, is this a dirty pants day or a clean pants day? Am I brushing my hair? Like, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. <laughs> well, and talk about your day job a little bit, because you are one of those guys that has a day job and that makes wine as your passion. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, my day job is idle and my nighttime is idle. But then there's the one that helps pay a little okay. bit more of the bills. Okay, you know, we pay. So I work at a winery called uh, Corsi Graves in Bennett Valley, and I work um, with Joanne. I work with Joanne, yeah. And Cable. Yeah. Yep. And it's, you know, it, it was a different winery before. So I, before I was helping. Um, Eric. Do, yeah, Eric Flanagan. Yeah. And then, you know, Cable was the winemaker for that yeah. one. And then until he was able to kind of buy it and with his business partner. And it's, you know, it's fantastic because it's, I got to help in the wine. I got to learn more about the vineyard. And because of the teaching background, I, random enough, I actually am good with humans. So, you know, explaining... <laughs> Doing the tastings and describing things and letting them kind of run the show and then just kind of pulling different things and stuff out of them when they do it. So they love how I kind of host people. Cause, yeah, because was that the – is that your first tasting room gig? No, I was – when I was at Deerfield and I was so a cellar master, then I was doing 
um, helping with that. And then they were starting the tasting room and they're like, you want to help with that? I'm like, sure. How the hell do you do that? So, you know, I, I had no idea. So I got thrown back there and I'm pouring like full glasses of wine. They're like, no, 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 it's a tasting. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I get it. And then you start talking more to the people and you start understanding, okay, why they like things, why they don't. And the, the intimidation that so many people have, you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, this is just wine and you're intimidated by it. Like, all right, let's deduce this wine industry thing for a little bit and yeah. have fun with it. Yeah. Like let's, it's just supposed to take that stress away. So then I started learning more and more from that side about how you can have fun with everybody. Yeah, Coors, uh, for those of you that haven't had Corsi Graves wines, they're great. And, mm-hmm. and it was Eric Flanagan was up there before. I think the last time that I had actually been up to the vineyard was when, uh, who's the who's the big dude that was the consulting winemaker for Eric? The, uh, Philippe, uh, Philippe Melka. Philippe Melka. Yeah. Who's, I, who's actually not that big of a dude. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a big name, big, big name. And I just remember that vineyard because I remember we walked some of the vineyard and I was really tired because it was, I don't know what the slope is up there or what you call it, the aspect or whatever. Um, But it was, it was kind of crazy. Well, we have now golf carts up there. So just in case, you know, you hurt your four wheel drive things, we can kind of put you in the back and, you know, take you for a little ride. It was a lot of fun. I remember Dusky Estes for your um, walker. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Welcome, Dad. It's good that you're ADA compliant up there. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it actually from I've I've looked at it from Google Earth or maybe it was on the website. It looks like a lot more um, built out than it was the last time I was up there, which was a while ago. It was it was a little rustic. Oh yeah. Now uh, with Cabell's business partner, who you know we talk about, somebody has to have a wallet. Um, his business partner has a very nice wallet, and so nice. he was able to kind of like improve things. So Cabell knew, he knew the vineyard really well and he wanted to do it better because I mean, in a way he was just the winemaker and now he can go, all right, this is what we can do. This is what we can do and improve it. You know, let's take out the old vines. Let's take out all the kind of the rocks. Let's make sure, you know, the vines and stuff that we're putting in, the roots and stuff are going down. So all these different little kind of aspects and even like the winemaking. Now there, you know, there's the terracotta, there's different kind of uh, French oak and stuff they're playing with. And it's just one of the coolest places to go because if like if you if you drive through Bennett Valley like I do a lot, um, you only really see Matanzas Creek mm-hmm. and then Bennett Valley Cellars. So you see BBC sometimes. But but your driveway to go up to the winery is literally just looks like a driveway that if you're going 30 miles an hour, which is even kind of stressful, um, going 30 on that road because if there's a car coming the other way that just comes over the line a little bit or if it's a truck or those guys who are now cutting the trees over there you're fucked you you gotta really pay attention there was a motorcycle guy that died last week from it because he was speeding down the place and hit a bmw that was going left so and if you go off the edge you go off into that little i don't know what who owns that little vineyard that's yeah that pond area oh that's that's, um come on brain it is is that sable ridge no, it's uh, mushy, lushy, woo woo. Hang on, uh, the brains are ticking. Let All me right. let me drink some alcohol. Oh, because they make Grenache. I think there's smoke coming out of his ears. Gem rose, okay. gem rose. Ge- oh no way. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> most of that, m- most of um, Bennett Valley is you just see grapes growing. You don't see that's that, and that's kind of why I love it so much is that you you see grapes growing and you see horses and you see houses, but you don't see wineries, which is nice. Kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's, you know, for where they are, you know, it's, it's mountain fruit. And I'd yeah. love to make our cab, you know, our Merlot comes from mountain. I'd love that. I love that sun exposure. And, you know, 
we talked about it with kind of the Grenache. And, well, and, and being where it is, it, it's definitely a cool site for Bordeaux varieties. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, especially because the bottom's all, um, it's all Rhone. So in the valley part, because it's so coast, uh, coated in fog, I mean, it's, you know, Gemrose is doing, you know, Syrah, Grenache, uh, there's Viognier, and then, you know, they have Syrah on the property for Corsi Graves. But, you know, you go down there and we get fruit now, uh, cab from Pickberry, and it's, you know, the same kind of elevation mm-hmm. as uh, Corsi Graves. And it's just like, God, I, mean, I love but, it up there. But, I mean, and I, I've mm-hmm. only driven by it, but Corsi Graves, it faces santa rosa right yeah. i mean yeah. it gets the brunt of that fog that comes in yeah. i mean certainly a cool site for exactly at least at, you know, when the fog's in yeah i mean and it's and it's funny because you see it hit at a certain level i mean it's usually about 800 feet and that's you know great for the straw then higher up it's all sun exposure and it's that two o'clock wind comes around and you're like, oh this is great you don't have to have any sprinklers and deal with kind of frost i mean just it whips around and it you know from being on valley of the moon for so long and then Having fruit from Mayacamas or Moon Mountain, I mean, it's just, you become that weatherman. You know, like, all right, so this is where it splits this way and the wind's going that way. And having the sun here, you're like, all right, this is killer. Hmm. Will you you talk about Kick Ranch a little bit? Um, Tasted the Viognier, have the Grenache in my glass now. Also seems like a place with cooler weather than, um, you know, a lot of other Viognier and Grenache sites mm-hmm. in, around right. here. I mean, it definitely brings a little, you know, the Viognier, especially it was like, uh, like kettle corn and, and emerald plum, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it was, it kettle, was like, cause you, that was like, a, cause I wasn't at first, I was like, what is it? Kettle, kettle corn. And it kind of came around and then it opens up and it's, it's stone fruit, but it's not, it's not like super ripe peaches. It's, you know, those emerald plums, they're, they're ripe, but they're still green, you know, and they have that little crunch to them. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, talk about Kick Ranch a little bit. It's, I love it because it's on the, you know, bottom of the Mayakama. So it does, it's, it's more like, of. It's like Rincon Valley kind of, right? Exactly. Because right. you go up uh, Calistoga Road and heading over to Calistoga and then it's kind of like on the left side. So it's it's, ancient Roman, uh, that's Caligula, never mind. Oh, yes, yes. I actually went to see that when they re-released it when I was living in L.A. with a then-girlfriend and holy weird movie to see weird movie to see with a girlfriend yeah, totally. well actually that part wasn't so bad but it's like you look at it there was like groups of people and then there was like that weird lonely guy and like on the corner you're like all right this is interesting again this was last millennium where you're allowed to do things like that um yeah so the, the kick, ranch. kick ranch yeah so i mean it isn't like the grenache is a little bit lower i think it's about maybe 100 feet lower and so it has a little bit of the fog and that will burn off usually around like kind of nine. And then you just get a lot of sun. And then you get the kind of the shadow last day. But you still have like that kind of cool wind coming. And I've had tried so much of the Grenache and Viognier from like say Paso. And I always thought it was just very floral and flowery. Mm. And like, no, th- this hot. is a, yeah. And this was like, you still had the heat, but you still had the coolness. I'm like, all right, we're going to be able to bring out, especially for the Grenache, bring back the earth and the fruit. And we're not using any new oaks. We're like, all right, we're going to get some nice kind of base going. And then with the Viognier, it's, we've made it, God, I think it was like six times. And every time we've made it is different. But we, you know, there's times where you uh, have a bunch of that stone fruit just because it was just kind of like that more kind of a sunny year. But having it a little bit kind of softer, you know, aging it differently, doing, um, you know, we would do botanage and just kind of stirring it. And just kind of give them a little bit more kind of base. We, we, you know, we wanted to do the Viognier too, where you can actually age it for a long period of time. And it, to me, it's like it's such a perfect spot. 
Italian. And now they're starting to do, you know, they're doing some cab up there. They have a little bit of Mavedra. We were getting Petit Syrah. We just did it last year. And that's, I love that. That's like just octopus ink. And, you know, if you want to take a bath and a wine, to me, it's like the Petit Syrah. You're just, it's like a blankie. You're like, oh, this is so beautiful. Yeah, we went down the Petit Syrah. Well, at least last time I was on the show, went down the uh, Petit Syrah road a little bit. Um, with the, that's what I used to love about Petit Syrah. I used to have a thing with Petit Syrah, is that it was almost like getting five wines in one bottle. Yeah. They're mm, like yeah. when you first open it, it tastes one way, and then 15 minutes later, it's some, it's a completely different wine. An hour later, it's a completely different wine. Five hours from then, or even the next day, you're, I mean, it's... Another very uh, misunderstood grape, I think, that most consumers don't really understand. Yeah, they always think it's related to the Syrah. Yeah. yeah. And they think it's petite. Like, hell no, this is like a hand grenade. This mm -hmm. sucker can like lift right. through anything. Right. It's a bastard. I'm like, I love it. <laughs> One big shout out to friend of the pod, Scott Kirkpatrick. Uh, Mountain Tides making petites are all cool again. Yeah, hell yeah, for sure. Right on. Yeah, I think I blew I blew through five cases of his wine pretty quick. You um, personally are in the at the restaurant per, at the, at the restaurant <laughs> at the restaurant, but depletions were high. More of it. It was so it was the snaps the snapshot of California, the one that he does. It's a blend, and tried to get more, and there was none available. So, um, but it's it, it, anyone that hasn't had that wine, it's definitely a good way to turn people on to Petit Syrah who think one thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, Reds. What do you think? TJ. Well, mine are all much lighter than Ben's. That's right. We'll rinse. So let's start here. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. This is, let's do this. This is Gamay. 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 Um, this guy is named Tim Fulnecki, and he um, is the assistant winemaker at Field Recordings, so also works with Andrew Jones, who is one of those like incubator people. You know how there's wineries where they're just like bedrock, where they're really like yep. stoked for their people to do their own shit too. Yep. Field Recordings is one of those. Um, and so he makes only Gamay. Mr. Brightside. Yeah, so he used to call Mr. it Hollyhock Lodge, and he got sued for it because it was uh, infringement on a vineyard called Hollyhock. And so he couldn't use Hollyhock Lodge anymore. And so uh, he, <laughs> Mr. Brightside, which doesn't really make any sense to me how that's not copyrighted. But, right. but um, anyway, that's, uh, that's anyway, the, um, I had to write down, I forgot about this wine. So I had to write it down. It's uh, from the Portico Hills in Ooh. Los Alamos. Yep. Um, and which is all limestone and sand. I mean, wouldn't, has anyone tasted it yet? No, I just uh, smelled get it. There. I'm totally intrigued. Yeah. So he makes uh, Gamay Noir. He makes uh, Gamay Blanc, which oh. is the only person I know that makes a Gamay Blanc, and it's beautiful. And then he also makes a um, like kind of, you know, the color of like MacBook Gold. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that's about the color of a pet net um, of Gamay that he makes. It has just really light skin contact. And these are all he does no um, inoculations so all native and he, you know field recordings is very minimal in their intervention he does use a little sulfur at bottling that's it oh my god do you guys i love you this guys wine. have kids so like carving a pumpkin on halloween that smell of yeah. carving a yeah. pumpkin it, it it's Whoa. it has this beautiful herbal note too in the flavors it's 10 years ago well, 20 years ago i would have 
when I don't like that. But, you know, it's I've come to as you as you learn more about wine, you come to appreciate things and not compare them to the only things you drink every day, you Mm -hmm. know. And now like flavors like that, I'm totally intrigued by it. Yeah. This it has that like um that orange how you say that tea that peyote peyote you know the orange peyote is that how you say that tea uh, ayahuasca you mean so it starts with <laughs> that's, a little that's pup- licking pup- a frog no, no. <laughs> there was this one time in Ecuador um, I remember the shaman mm-hmm. I did the whole thing I can actually do you yeah you do <laughs> that's, mm. that's it wow. it's a great time yeah this wine is kind of tripping me out. Yeah, it's you'll feel like it in about five minutes. Like a brininess to it. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, like a, which is maybe something you expect more with white wine to get those sort of like salinity and, um, but carry, I mean, it's, it's a game A. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a pepper aspect to it and it's not green pepper. It's almost more like jalapeno pepper. Yes. You get like the little bit of the bite. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this was, was this recently one of your wines? So we had his wine. Um, hearing that dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that you? Uh, after this bottle. Like, a neighborhood up. dog who's really into the Gamay Noir as well. I know. After a bottle of that, I'll howl to the moon all night. I have no problem. Yeah. Um, we did his Hollyhock Lodge uh, in the spring of last year. And then in December, we did like a revisit of a bunch of people that we had really liked over the last year. And so we did this wine um, in December. Um. Yeah, we haven't done like a full feature of a revisit yet, but we are about to. But I would do him anytime. He's his wine is so good. Well, and the and idea behind cute. your and he's cute. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is for you, you you actually want people to get introduced to the wine through you and then start buying, buying from directly 100%. from them. Yeah. So yeah. the idea with the revisit is like we had a lot of new members that hadn't maybe discovered like, you know, these six brands that we featured and you know, not everybody's going to go back and reread all the stuff that's super old. So it's nice, I think, to bring back a revisit of stuff that has been a crowd pleaser so that new members can be like, oh, I didn't try that yet. I'll just get that. But do your offers stay open like that? So if, if you're OK, so if you weren't on the list six months ago, you can't necessarily go back. And you can get buy it from them. them. You can buy it from them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I want people. I mean, you know, these guys, Dogwood and Thistle that you'll taste next, they've gotten wine club members and. You know, they're really good at, at following up on marketing, um, but they've gotten members in their wine club now and they get a lot of people who just constantly buy their Sauv Blanc and their Carignan. So I want that. I want them to be successful. It doesn't de- take away from me to, you know, it's like it's like pie, right? Like it's not it's or it's not like pie. It's finite. <laughs> Unlike the other pie, the math pie. Right. It's like the math pie. <laughs> right. Fuck, I got confused. I'm, I'm lost. Wait, wait. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. I was told there wasn't going to be math today. Okay, it doesn't wait, hurt. Wait, I'm almost there. A rising, uh, it's something yeah. about a rising tide, you know? It's good for everybody. Yeah. Right. Because the idea is that they, I mean, hopefully right, is that they start to get a little more... Um, more followers and they become a little more popular and maybe even a little more mainstream where they can um, grow. Right. And maybe one day leave their day jobs and have their own brand. Or when she comes back and says, can we do another, you know, can we do another round with you? And they go, sorry. Uh, Sorry. uh, Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ultimately. Right. I think that would be awesome. Um, Or they say like, Oh, I don't fit anymore. I quit my day job and I'm doing this full time. And then, 
you know, that's, that's righteous. That's, that's, that's the dream, right? Are, are there any other business models like yours that you've no. seen out there? No, for a lot of reasons. There's not anybody else I think that I can find that does a subscription service like this, where it's a subscription for information. Um, and I don't think there's anywhere else that's really trying to just truly connect and like build this community. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's anywhere else where you do tastings with the actual winemakers because most of the big wine clubs all have shitty bulk juice that they put fake labels on. Yeah. Um, there is no winemaker. There is yeah. no winemaker. Right? Yeah, I mean, there are, there, there are, um, or there have been things where it was multiple wineries represented by, um, by somebody. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did a deal with a guy in Florida, and I think I can't even remember what it was called now. But um, he did a very nice job and, and tried to connect people. But it was before the thought of like doing a, a live tasting. Um, and you had to ship it yourself. Um, and it made it all that much more complicated. Um, the, the whole yeah. thing was very complicated where yours sounds very clean. You know, you're only having to buy what you need, yeah. which helps keep you, you know, uh, very clean. important set, yeah, part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, if you had to buy a bunch of wine and then sit on it and have a warehouse to house it. and I never um, want to do that. Yeah, no, no, no. And it's kind of I'm really I'm like actually really impressed because for me, like I would consider myself be just because of my job and like the people I know as sort of a wine insider, but I don't know any of these wines that you brought. Awesome. Right. That's great. And, and so if I was a wine lover, I would be starving. I'd be thirsty for you. Awesome. Right. To, to like find someone that is doing the work. Yeah. And then all I have to do is just trust the person after purchasing some of the wines and going, Oh, this is actually really cool. Yeah. It's like finding your, finding your retailer. Well, remember, and who was that kid that we had on that would, that came from Burgundy, and then he came here and he was like oh, yeah, started yeah, yeah. a started a distribution company, and, and I'm like, I don't know anyone Lapierre, in Burgundy. No, yeah. And he's like, Well, I went to school with all these people, and some of them are family friends, and so I'm able to to bring these these Burgundy wines into awesome. the United States that normally would n never touch soil here. And you're like, the, I mean, those are the kind of connections that you're that you're hungry for. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Oh, man. Uh, this is carrying on. I actually brought this one because I just listened to the podcast with um, Rebecca and she had something from Testa Vineyard and this right. is also yeah. from Testa. Uh, and so these are hundred year old head trained trees <laughs> of carrying on. It wasn't that Bart that wasn't that one of the pictures that I took of you and Hardy um, was under a Carignan um, vine that was like, it was like two feet over your head. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, a very good example of what they used to call a Lodi ladder, right? <laughs> Just a monster vine. Yeah. Was it at Testa also? No, it oh. was um, up at Buddha's Dharma. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool spot. Yeah. The guys from Minus Tide source from that property. And that's a really cool vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, these guys, so do, yeah, Dogwood and Thistle, these, they just moved to Virginia um, and they're going to start a Virginia side of it and, and keep the california side also but um i'm really curious to see if they might do be able to do this full time because they're going to try to open a tasting room in virginia and um aaron is a husband and wife team sandy's the winemaker and aaron does the marketing and stuff and she does did marketing in her day job so i feel like that combo is pretty critical and they might be one of the brands that slides out of um fitting into the day job part but they're gonna they're gonna live there, but then continue to make wine here as well. Yeah, so Sandy will come out here for harvest, 
um, and then you know keep it in a custom crush house for the rest of the year. Come out a couple times a year to check on things, and then they'll also start a Virginia branch and make Virginia wine too. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they're wonderful, and I feel like his wines are just super clean and balanced and really pretty. There's so much wine out there, you guys. I know so much, right? So much. It's awesome. It's just amazing. Just amazing. That's like it's like we always say. You know, when I'm doing education stuff at the Fairmont, is you guys the more you learn about wine, the more you realize there is so much more to learn. Like it's it's endless. I work with Randall Graham. And he, that's one of the things he says all the time is I know nothing. Yeah. It's like, he knows a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do what are you working with Randall on? Well, first we were kind of going through the rest of the remaining Bonnie Dune inventory that he owns and yeah. selling that. Um, and now we're working on publish and how to, the infinity oh, project. Somebody who can pronounce Poplichum. it. Yeah, we were kind of wondering. It's not Popoluchum. Popoluchum. Popeli-shootin-noofin-doofin-poopy. Say it again. Popoluchum. Popoluchum. Definitely, it's exactly how it's spelled. It is exactly how it's spelled. <laughs> I think, ben, ben, you and I have had this conversation about Randall. It's almost like you're stepping back in time when you meet him. He pulls up in his old oh my God. car, and, oh, he, yeah. and he doesn't open the trunk. He opens the boot. Yes, that's right. And then all it's, it's like he pulls out like an old leather briefcase or yeah. satchel from... <laughs> the 40s with an umbrella and, and then you know walks up and puts his hat on or something he's such an odd character I, yeah totally yeah. he's wonderful <laughs> and nuts and really challenging to work with but um he's he's a wonderful human being yeah. and like wildly intelligent and interesting to follow around and listen to you know a great follow on Twitter. Yeah. Even if you have nothing to do with wine. So he'll never listen to this and I don't think he'd care if I said this, but yesterday, <laughs> maybe awesome. he does listen to this. He does listen to, he drives a lot. Anyway. Hey, Hey Randall, how's it going? Um, come he back, come back me, and do another show with us, Randall. He called me yesterday and he goes, he goes, uh, yeah. I'm like, how's it going? He's like hectic TJ. It's always hectic. So, uh, I just, you know, I'm about to go into this meeting with Gal and I have a really big question. I'm sure I cannot figure out, how do I, I want to take Bonnie Dune off my Twitter profile, but I need to put on language of yes and Poplashum. And I, how do I do that? So I get, I'm like, literally, this is like the phone call that uh, is like super critical right now is um, how to help Randall change his Twitter profile. <laughs> before love, he's going to go into a gnarly meeting. Before he's going yeah. into a gnarly meeting, this is what he's thinking about. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of my relationship with Randall, I feel like. I get those phone calls from my mom. He didn't do it yet? Oh my god, he called me after and said he did it. Founder and winemaker of Bonnie Dune Vineyard. Does it have the Bonnie Dune website? Uh, it links to the... Yeah, and it has the Bonnie Dune website still. Randall. Randall. And <laughs> Poplachum. Poplachum. Not Poplachum. Right. He's better in so many other things. And then that's yeah. the part right. where it's like, all right, somebody else figure this shit out. and Where he's like your mom. And, and, yeah. and, and, like my mom would be asking my 13-year-old how to how to download something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually, I think my mom's better with technology than I am. But <laughs> it's a Mutsen word. Mutsen, the people that are from that area. From the because that the vineyard is it's basically like San Juan Batista. It's like yeah, by Hollister. Yeah. It's a really pretty spot. You should go up there. Randall, invite us to come do a show from. Yeah, we'll, we'll even 
maybe pronounce, pronounce it correctly once on the, once or twice. I'll or, dri- or, or we'll, we'll, the van I was going to say we'll bring we'll bring TJ so somebody can pronounce it. Yeah, I'll drive the van. That's it's a fun trip. It really is. I would love to take you up there and take him there. Well, and how did you get hooked up with him? Do you want to know? It's so crazy. I he he posted in a like Facebook some Facebook marketing group that he needed help with his last wine club for Bonnie Dune, and I just emailed him and was like, I can run your wine club really easy if you want. And we talked, and he after we ended up talking, our first conversation was like two hours, and he's like, So I don't think I can afford you, but um, I'd like to just. I feel like we're we're kindred, so uh, can we just talk sometimes? (laughs) Sure. Um, Can I just get your advice for free? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Trade is awesome. Um, so anyway, I ended up working for him and doing that wine club, and um, he's uh, he's great. I just will you dump that for me? Oh, it'd be my pleasure. He's a wonderful <laughs> human being, and the new wines, the new Poplishum wines, he's yeah. bottling uh, finally these magnums that yeah. have been owed to um, people that did the crowdfunding years ago, are being bottled now, and they're fucking gorgeous. And then actually, the language of yes wines that are through Gallo. Yeah. Are also just outstanding. So, uh, sorry, excuse my ignorance on the publish room. So, now is this the whole project that he did where he's starting completely different varietals that have never mm-hmm. seen the light of day? Grapes so, from seed. Yeah, grapes, grapes from, from seed. seed. So, and, and they'll cross pollinate and make something that's New. totally unique, unique right, to that. Right. Yeah. And then people got to go into the crowdfunding site. And if I remember correctly, because I remember I was thinking about like donating money, you could name the varietals whatever you wanted so kind of like where you get to like if you see name a star line, yeah. star in the sky you get to name it whatever you want but you were able to do that with some of the grapes so i was thinking how cool it'd be for my daughter to grow up and then at some point have a wine that basically had her name as a varietal yeah well that is all remains to be seen but uh the intent is good okay <laughs> okay I think now it's like you can you get your only a vine is like named for you. I don't think it's like yeah. a whole new variety. Is named okay. for you. And, and I and I don't think I mean, he's kind of said he doesn't know when this experiment will ever be done. If if it, it no, won't be in his and, lifetime. No. And really, like, I mean, whatever. I have a lot of thoughts about what he should be doing. But um, one of the things he should be doing is <laughs> paying find, me disco- <laughs> yeah, discovering who's going to be the person that takes the vineyard over when when he passes. And that's that's kind of imminent and um there's not a clear answer or solution or anything for that so mm. um you know it's an it's an incredible project and and you know it's either as he says it's either a great idea or it's a terrible idea it could go either way Isn't but that pretty much how we, like most the wine ideas. business <laughs> yeah. yeah it's always <laughs> like that but it's it is a really cool experiment and it's worth doing and it you know i think if if it could be a nonprofit or if it could be kind of taken over by a school would probably be the two ways to like Davis or you mean like a, yeah, like Davis like Ben's or elementary Bordeaux, school or not, probably not Ben's school. They sound poor. <laughs> <laughs> Better than bend over. <laughs> but like a university or, you know, like, or some, you know, if it was a society of, you know, learning, would right. be a place you know that it could be funded but well, I mean I think the the sort of point of that is this is the it's not a one generation project it's not that he's no. talking about right. it's you know whether or not it creates its own variety what he's doing is trying to create uh, an expression of that site and yeah. as a raw site you know that doesn't happen in the first vintage or the first five vintages or the first 10 vintages you know totally you're, you're 
And the first one that you try might be not as great as you thought it was going to be, and so right. you might have to go back to the drawing board and, and try keep, another one, and keep sort of adjusting. And I mean, the, that, and that's what he's doing out there. Yeah, he's like that's right. Bringing in new seedlings all the time. There's like the nursery. Yeah. There's you know vines that are that are you know four or five leaves out, mm-hmm. and it's it's just kind of like an ongoing experiment, right? Yes. Sort of. We, we tasted that first. Bart saying we tasted that okay, first one when we had him on at the. Roan was it? I think Ben was actually there. You were there. It was a. It was wasn't it a Grenache day? It was oh, Grenache day. That's right. Yeah, it was Grenache That's day, right. and it. and we were just gonna have like little ten minute interviews with all the winemakers yeah. were there, and Randall sat down with a friend of his, and right. they were there for an hour. English and a half. gentleman, I believe. Yep. Yep. And they were there for an hour and a half, and and he brought he had a bottle of red and right, white from that, right. and we tasted. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, really good. Because. Okay, so just to back up for a second, for people who aren't in the wine industry, the idea is, right, that if you if you take a Chardonnay grape that has seeds in it and you plant that seed, that it doesn't come up as Chardonnay, that at that point it is its own unique varietal, right? Yeah, like an mm-hmm. apple does the same. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, so it has to be grafted to make the... There's a mother of everything. So there's a right. mother of every kind of apple. There's a mother of every grape and clone. Right, so at that point, then you can yeah. basically call it whatever you want because it's not the same thing. Right, right, and they have you have what pollinated it, and often you know grapes are quote unquote self pollinating, but you know that's nature's random, and also there's like random variations in every seed. You know, I mean the same thing any anything that you grow from seed or collect seeds from say a plant where you grind it up and pull the seeds and stems out. If you take those seeds, it's not going to be the same strain that you rolled up in that first joint and grow the seed the next year. It's going to be something completely different because A, what pollinated it, and B, what you know, random genetic variation that you get out of it, right? So it's it's an ongoing thing. And, and with grapes, we typically think of, you know, the mother plant or whatever, you know, your clonal material and it's a clone, right? You're taking a cutting and you're putting it onto to something else to because you're not looking for variation. You don't want something totally random. You right. want to get you want that. You want Grenache because yeah. you want to grow Grenache there. You want Cabernet because you want to grow Cabernet there. And in this it's a little bit of I mean, you know, it's it's in the wind because that's where the pollen comes from, right? So there's there's total randomness, um, which I think is or randomness. Ra- well, yeah, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I think exactly. I think that's kind of what yeah. he's going for. Yeah. I, knowing Randall just a little bit, uh, never having worked for him, or never being paid by him for anything, which I guess <laughs> is something we all have in common. Um, I think he's looking for that sort of random discovery. Um, right. You know, it's not. You know, when you plant a Chardonnay vineyard, you're trying to grow Chardonnay. For him, it's plant this vineyard to see what happens. Um, You know, it's not going to be whatever the sort of source material was. It's going to be what is whatever sort of random genetic variation is the most perfectly suited for that site, right? I mean, and we do this a little bit like Masao selection, right? You go through a vineyard and you go, well, look, those five vines are way healthier than the rest of the vines. Whatever happened there because there's going to be some variation anyway whatever happened there is what we want to do more cuttings from for this vineyard because clearly those like vines are set like when you breathe the big dog out of the litter yeah, yeah exactly um so 
for you know as this and this is again why it isn't just a one generation thing in 20 years whatever random seeds that were thrown into the air there's going to be 25 vines that are doing better than the rest of them and taste better than the rest of them and that's mm-hmm. when you start to like build out i mean that was my always my understanding of the <clears throat> the project of randall's pope vineyard uh, <laughs> is eventually there will be something that comes out of there that is the variety of that site yeah, that is right. a name that we're not going to pronounce. Uh, and and then maybe he will, or whoever is in charge there, will will graft because you've it's created something there that the random genetic variations make it perfectly suited for that place. So it comes kind of from the question of, you know, why are these the only varieties that we grow? Why are these the right. only things that we have? Like, why have we decided to stop now? Like, we, you know, all of the things that we have at some point were something else and we liked these, so we stuck with them. Right. But can't there be more? Can't there be, like, why Why are we, why settle? <laughs> you know? But also going back, so d- does that mean that originally there was just one Venus vinifera that then someone planted a seed somewhere and then became something else and then they took that seed and planted something else. I mean, else evolutionarily then... speaking, that seems like it has to be true because yeah. of this evolution everything starts with one and then moves on. But it would have been a mutation mm-hmm. from something else. Yeah. Because everything is a mutation, essentially. We are, I mean, we're all mutations. Wow, we just got deep. Boom. <laughs> Oof. Especially my tail. Oof. Have some wine. <laughs> Take this, your idle moment. This yeah. is more bad. Here you yeah. go. Let's, let's get back into territory we're comfortable with. Let's talk about wine. Uh, this is uh, McCann Family Cellars. And uh, Chuck is the winemaker for William Harrison. Charles family calls him chuck anyway his these guys are interesting um because it's really his parents that were like hey you know how to make wine and uh well we want you to make some wine for our family (laughs) and so they kind of pushed him into it and obviously now he's pumped on it but uh it's him his wife and his yeah right you got john myers attention hey john myers welcome to the show (laughs) (laughs) he's the producer this is a john myers joint Oh, it smells amazing though. Yeah, really pretty. Yeah. I love I love this. This is from Livermore, which like is not a region that I know a whole lot about. Um and but everything that he sources except hot. for yeah, it's hot, right? Yeah. Uh he does source a little bit from Katie's Corner, um, which is over on this side. Um and he does Viognier from there. Uh he worked at Chapelet for a long time and they get Viognier from there, so that's where he gets uh his fruit for that. Um but this is from Livermore, and most of the fruit that he gets is from Livermore, which is where his family is from. And so they lived out in that area for a long time and know that region really well and know the growers out there and know who to work with out there. And um, his wines are, I mean, just like this, they're all spot on clean. He has like a, a very um, kind of feminine but heavy hand to me. Uh, I think that the wines are really pretty, but they're, they're they got a lot of structure to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe that. Yeah. It's the it's the the biker on his motorcycle with the leather tattoos, mm-hmm. beard, and then his girlfriend's a ballerina sitting on the back on her little slippers. Totally, I love that. Yeah. It was just two 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 Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Yeah, people wearing tutus everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. We, it's a full day of tasting here yeah. today at the Wyman And McCann, podcast. so M C K A H N. Yeah. Yeah. Big M, little C, big K. Yeah. There's a song like that. I feel like yeah. <laughs> Mavedra in the Livermore Valley is an unexplored. Uh, yeah. But I there's mean, a lot of, I mean, it seems, you know. A warm, but also still has some bay influence, delta influence kind of climate. It's a place where delta more, more than bay. Delta more than bay. Yeah. But you can get, but you can get Mavedra ripe yeah. without getting it overripe, yeah. you know? One of the things that I, I am liking so much about uh, these yeah. small winemakers is that most of them can't afford to buy in Napa and Sonoma. And so they're buying a lot from, you know, El Dorado Hills, Contra Costa, Livermore. Like they're buying from these regions that have been kind of, not i mean ignored or farmed industrially or i don't know what they were doing before but i think going out having these small winemakers go out there and be like hey i want to buy this this fruit and make it fucking awesome so farm better and you know and then it's really changing these farming standards and it's really shining a uh, shining a beautiful light on these regions that clearly are growing amazing fruit i mean i didn't know how awesome el dorado was i didn't know how awesome i mean like we've tasted hardy's wines a million times these things contra costa all the time but getting past just that one person like it, it's yeah. kind of opened up this the, all these different small regions for me that um I've, i'm just learning about and i think a lot of other people are just kind of learning about too or they know about but they they know about them for the wrong reasons or mo- don't take them seriously yeah and that's yeah. the thing i mean as locals you know more california based we'll head out there and at least kind of try it people that are flying in they only know napa and sonoma Right. I mean, and that's about it. So they're not going to fly into Oaktown and then kind of go to the Livermore unless they have like family there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's the killer wines. I mean, some great roans are out there. Unless they get on the park train going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're going to end up out there. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to be in San Francisco. <laughs> Whose pants are these? Where did all these cows come from? <laughs> Whose pants are these? <laughs> I've been. I've had that Bart ride. Experience. I've had that Bart experience. And that's I've done that under the bay. <laughs> you guys ever done that when you go under the bay and you're like, oh shit? Yes. I went under. Well, when I got to go back. Yeah. Before all the GPS stuff, I mean, it was, you know, growing up in LA, the Los Angeles, not the Lower Alabama. Uh, the and now it's come up here. It would be you have the 880, 580, 980, 780, 880. and 880 again, all crossed, and the 680 all crossed around, and you're just like. Flip a coin. Let's see what the where we end up. <laughs> like, okay. I still struggle coming home from the airport sometimes. I mean, if you miss that one turn. Right. Yeah, but now you can go beep, boop, boop, button into your little, or you still have what, oh yeah, that 84 Honda, huh? Yeah. yeah. You still have a Thompson's Atlas. 74 Honda right? Civic. Oh, it's, those, like I'm, yeah. it's like I'm driving a go-kart. <laughs> G7. <laughs> Shit, G7. Wait, G7's gone. Yeah. The hatchback. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, I have to go to a wine tasting in a minute here. Mm-hmm. And I have to go to the second job. Yeah, see? And then. <laughs> Shit. I don't have anything to do. Let's keep drinking. Uh, I'm down. So, what do we got? Ben, you got something. Ben, tell us your things. You want some Sangiovese? Sure. Hell Let's yeah. do it to it. All right. So, Sanji, uh, the American version. What do we got? Uh, Speedy Creek Vineyard on top of the Knights Valley. And it's kind of done like a little auditorium. Some nice volcanic ash and stuff out there. Thank you, Ben. My pleasure. Thanks. An area that, you know. Got rid of Brian, I'll move over. 
he always comes back. Yeah. And it's uh, you know, it's it's a lovely spot. It's it's about a thousand feet up, and we've been playing around with them since 2013. Kind of done like in a little auditorium. You have to pick a little bit higher, just kind of get the acids and stuff that you kind of want. But you know, my favorite wines are Brunellos, and I know we're 400 years behind, but like this is the shit I would love to kind of do. And you know, you know, now with the vaccines and stuff, I'll live to like 440, so it'll be great, and I'll be able to kind of pull that stuff off. Your cell phone reception got better. Nicely done. What was, your, done. The what was done. your first vintage of this? Uh, 2013. How's that doing? Yeah. You still have some? Yeah. Wanna come over? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did actually a tasting with that uh, on the two two Tuesday, and they were they were going Gaga. Over. Really? Yeah, yeah, I bet. Not Lady Gaga, just regular Gaga. Although she's Italian. So I. Oh, a, that's I right. She might be down from San Gervais. Gaga like this, and everything was good, and the mozzarella was lovely. So it's. I'm gonna tell Gabby you did that. <laughs> so I did a uh, actually Brian was there. We did a wine dinner the with Sweet D. Was lovely. And. Um, you know, it's like as the more I drink, the more animated and stuff I got. And it was time to do the San Giovese. And so I was talking to the crowd about it. And our friend uh, Gabby comes up and then so she does it in Italian. So and she was also a little saucy at the time. So I would say everything in English and then she would kind of do the whole thing in Italian with, you know, with the, the obnoxious <laughs> accent kind of thing. But describe the wine in that way. And it was it was so much fun. We had to send people home in taxis because people were a little blotted. Is it 100% Sangiovese? 2016? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. That's a good answer. Yes. Can I ask you a question about the um, your vintages? That, so it looks like most of the reds are 16s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that because you age them for a longer time or... Are the, you holding them or? You know, the last couple of years have been here? a wee little bit slower. Yeah. Um, you know, shit's been a little so awkward you, with a little pandemic and not having. But there's clear benefit from holding these wines for a couple of years. Right. So are you going to try to stay on this tip? Yeah. I mean, but then again, if we want to sell it, if people want to buy a lot more, I, I won't stop through. them. Yeah. But we do like to hold libraries out. You know, we, we have the, the club and one of the things and stuff we do with the club, you know, we have the new releases and then the ones that get a lot more, they get the. Um, the older wines, the libraries and stuff. So we try to hold back as much as it can and then hold back, release, hold back, release. This still tastes like a baby to me. Yeah. yeah. And that's I, right. I think you should hold this back five years before you sell it. Yes, I would love there, to. But my, then there's that. My I mean, non-financial I have, advice. Let me pay your rent while you do that. <laughs> I mean, I would have loved to no, have left it. you don't it. make much of this, right? Um, this actually we did a lot of. Uh, 319 cases. Mm. It's really pretty. Yeah, and it's been at Oso for years. I mean, they had the 15, um, and now the kind of the 16. So it's 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 a blast, and it it's lovely. You know, we were in uh, Italy, and I bring a bottle, and they it's fun to kind of mess with the Italians. Like, holy shit, you're actually you know pulling it off. Yeah. Except you know, Sam's got to go to uh, mm-hmm. top secret assignment. Good luck out there. Stumble across the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Was he not allowed to say where he's gone? Shh. Only knows where he's been. Okay. It's a moment of dead air. It's just us. It's just us. <laughs> it's right. Just now what us. do we do? And the and the millions of listeners. <clears throat> yeah. Right. All right. Come on, Ben. Let's push through. All Done. Right. Okay. So our whole thing. What is else do you want to taste? I want to taste alcohol. Oh, wine. That's what we got. Okay. So also on the back of the labels are people's stories. So you know we were talking about oh, like the idea I of like this of everyone has that different kind of moment why they're the kind of drinking and it's 
you, you ask them like, okay, when did you open this up? And people are talking about, I was reading a book. I just put the kid down. We had a dinner party. But uh, people are encouraged to submit this to you, right? Through the website? Uh, yeah, web, all the different technology things. Right. Um, MySpace, uh, Friendster, <laughs> you know, all that kind of good stuff. Friendster. And, you know, we're emails, texting, blog, smoke signals. So you didn't write these in the back? I wrote in the beginning. I wrote a couple of them. And now it's just oh, basically from our fans. So it's a blast, you know, and there's a whole bunch of we're creating a book of all the inappropriate ones um, because there's, you know, it's still drinking and people are like, oh, dear God, really? That's with a drifter. Right, and you're so like, all right, I can't put that on the bottle. Wait, are you going to release like a coffee table book with all the inappropriate ones? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, because there, there's a bunch. People are filthy now. Yeah, I love it. Um, and and uh, talk about who did your label too, and the kind of the style of it, because it is very, it does really stand out. So that would be Ari, the business partner, and myself. Uh, so we, um, it was just one night, and we ha uh, he lives in San Francisco. It's the city by the bay, and uh, we had a whole bunch of parchment paper and watercolors, and you know, we we just kind of drank and listened to music, and we just kind of played around all night until we kind of created the label. Um, that you see and it was just we like the idea of a paint and splatter and things just where you don't know where it's kind of going you know it's like I have a Japanese cousin and she keeps thinking that it says something you know I mean it does say idol but it looks almost has this Japanese kind of fade and you know it comes in and out it, it's a little bit different mm -hmm. you know kind of a little bit more kind of playful yeah. and you know and as as it's evolved because we've been doing this for eons you know even the idea with the paint splatter because even when you spill you know, because you do spill while kind of pouring the wine, so, and it goes great with the label, right? Because you're creating totally more art. Yeah. <laughs> All right, 2015 Merlot. Where is this coming from? This is uh, actually a few miles down the road, uh, Sonoma Ooh, Valley, just like yeah. a little bit of great. a family yeah, winery. And you're talking about like kind of aging longer. I mean, this, you know, it, yeah. I would say our most popular wine right now is the 2015 Merlot, and it, you know, our whole idea is like, you know, we want to poke people and get them out of the no Merlot kind of kick. We're like. Dude, it's, it's happening. Great, great. It is it's totally happening. Finally happening. growing. Oh, yeah. Finally. I, we're pouring the Once in Future Merlot from uh, Joel Peterson. And, yeah. And I'm getting mm -hmm. such good responses from people right now. And cool. Like, Merlot's back, baby. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think because all of the shitty Merlot got ripped out. And so if you yeah. still if you still make Merlot, it's because you mean to now. <laughs> instead yeah. of, you know, when, when it was just like a mm. kind of like the, the Pinot now. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, you know, we. And it tastes like Merlot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, really nice bright fruit, a little bit of a herbal note to it. We did this one. We I know we added a two percent cap. Yeah, it's that's really pretty. Yeah, mm. it's funny. I was doing the, the tasting. earth on that um, is nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was doing the the wine tasting yesterday because we have a winery that normally pours four thirty five thirty, but the um, for some reason they couldn't come, so I pulled um, some wines, and one of them was the Groove Tempranillo. Mm -hmm. And some guy came up and he said, you know, I didn't really like that last wine. It, um, it tasted a lot like grapes. <laughs> and I said, but, but it's kind of funny, right? Cause, cause I said to him, you know, it's, I actually find myself in tastings every once in a while going, wow, that tastes a lot like grapes. But to think of when you think about fucking, it is grapes, Yeah. but a lot of wines don't actually have that kind of grapey mm -hmm flavor to it yeah um well that's what makes that tempranillo wine... i just tried it does taste like kind of like yeah. <laughs> i mean but that's a what good makes... grape but it's a great yeah. it does have a grape note that that's what makes wine so amazing is mm -hmm. that 
you have it's the only it's the only thing that you use the same product and it transforms to these other flavors yeah, right like People don't have, they don't understand how you get the strawberry flavor in it or the blackberry. In oh, it. we put strawberries in and, the wine. Right. In the blackberries, yeah. That's just like the New Jersey wine. Yeah. 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 But, but, but all those Thanksgiving spices right in there. But it, 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 it's, it is. It's what's so um, remarkable about it. And the fact that Tempranillo tastes like grapes is what makes mm. it so amazing. Yeah. It was, it was funny, though, to me that he didn't like it because it tasted right. like, like grapes. Right. What I found so yeah. amusing is that, yeah. like, well, you realize it's made from grapes. Right. <laughs> well, people didn't like Merlot because it said Merlot on the bottle. So, I mean, if you hid that part and, you know, there is there is that thing where they had that bad problem when yeah. they were a kid or when they stole something and that causes that issue. Right. So if you call it something else, you know, the whole idea with blind everything. And, bl- like just, blends, why and we blends. And blends it, you know. yeah. Right. Cheryl called it a blend. Create a different kind of name, even though it will be Mostly 100%. Yeah. 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 Well done, Ben. That's really Yeah, nice. totally. And to, Ben, be, before we get completely out of control, tell people how they can get a hold of your wines. Uh, hands. No, don't be. Oh, a, sorry. Um, I would say. You want to sell some wine? Yes, of course. Of course. Let's, let's, let's get rid of that second right. job. Yeah. Let's conquer the world. Right. Make everything fluid. Um, it would be. Okay, so we got that lovely website. Um, idol sellers so id l e c e l l a r s dot com Ooh, look at that um it is you know a few restaurants and stuff here and there um you know we do tastings i do gorilla tastings we're all you know you know like a sex toy party where i'll go to people's house and i'll do the tastings and stuff and there we're gone. what no, but that's what nobody does Tupperware parties and stuff anymore. So the idea is like um, you mentioned the Bixby's. I went to their place. We shipped a whole bunch of wine and I did tastings with them. You know, when yeah. people have kids and they're like, oh, this is going to be our date night. And so you get to go to somebody's house and, you know, we, I'll, I'll be drinking too. Surprise. And, you know, here you do like a little taste and we'll be pouring and I could describe it. You know, here we have uh, so many different winemakers. But when you go out in the world. And they love it. You get to actually see what the wizard does behind the curtain mm-hmm. and kind of do it that way. Yeah. This Merlot is really good. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Really enjoying that. I'm glad you dig it. What is the, what's the price if someone wanted to purchase a bottle of that? That's a good question. Oh, you're going to have to go on the website? Uh, how about Shut 35 up. Yeah. Um, how about 30 If you say you're a friend of the podcast, since you're going to be so... Done. <laughs> Done. Oh, then they'll have to email me. So Ben well, is yeah. idol seller. And if you we'll buy a case happen. of it, it's 25 and if you're an hour for and 45 minutes into the podcast <laughs> and still listening, <laughs> right. then you deserve Then that. you deserve yes. a deeper discount. I'll even sign the bottle. There what? you go. Yeah. I'm good with my writing. <laughs> and if you have any questions, it's uh, Mountain Cabernet. At- Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. I think maybe we ought to wrap this up. No, one last no, one. one last no, we're one? pushing through one last one. What do you got there that hasn't been popped? Oh, oh, me. Hi. Yeah. Uh, this would be actually okay. So, this is interesting. So, it's Cabernet from Peaceland Vineyard. Finally, we found something interesting. And it's a low fill. <laughs> yes. And it's a little bit Corbin. And it was so in, you know, 2017, we had a little bit of Fuego. Uh, and then 17, we picked it on Friday. And then Sunday, the fire came and burned down the vineyard. Ooh. So, it was one of the very few vineyards Got that tortured. Yeah. The owner, RJ, he went out for a smoke, had time to realized it was like everything was on fire so he ran in grabbed his women grabbed a computer the dogs Wait, got did in the you car say his women or woman woman one okay okay 
Grunt. <laughs> just just one. I mean, that I know That of. you know of. Wait yeah. a minute. So that was the 2017 vintage. Yeah. So this, this is, is I mean, the 2016. The, and it's still uh, top of the Mayakamas yeah. near Ribley. Near Ribley, uh-huh. Ribley Road? Yeah. Yes. Kind of all the way at the top where all of a sudden cell phone service and stuff starts getting right. funky. But it's on the Sonoma side? Yeah. We, we only do uh, Sonoma grapes. That was one of the things that, you know, as a pretty much independent producer, we're like, all right, well, that will be how we're established. We're just going to do Sonoma grapes. And as everything has changed and it makes us go, especially with 2020 where we started losing things, we're like, well, do we get grapes from other areas? We're like, no, we got to stay close to our soul, our, our feet are on the ground. And it was, you know, it's a great location. We went there last year to check it out, and it's still charred. And it's just, you know, that one tear just drips down the cheek, and you're just like, oh, God. Yum. Yeah, not 100%. And it's, oh, they were growing, I was like, eight different kind of uh, varietals and stuff up there. It was about 60 acres. Okay, so, so Cabernet, tell me, what's kind of... Like for me, I know you as as a Grenache Viognier. Um, that's because that's what he was trying to sell you, producer. But what do do you do anything differently when it comes to cab, like to please the consumer? Do you know what I'm saying? I, I want the consumers, the civilians, and stuff to be pleased about what we do. You yeah. know, as somebody that's followed music or art, you know, you. you it's easy to get lost in the idea of what you're kind of producing. Yeah. Are you making it? for them and then you lose your being because you're always going to go on different trends or do you stay for your heart like okay this is what we're going to make and hopefully people like it if they don't yeah. dig it well then you know well we screwed up yeah. and it's because i want to drink this you know i mean i love doing the wine dinners i love you know i rarely i do actually drink my own stuff but it's like i want to be able to crack and go yeah all right okay now we can have done this something differently so but what we do with the cab um i mean we're doing Oh, what do we do this? We do a little bit more new oak. We did about kind of 42% brand new French. Uh, we're not doing heavy toast. It's more medium long, medium. Um, it's, it's more, it's macerated after we kind of sort it out. And, you know, I think a slower fermentation, we do um, some botanage probably for the first year. And we leave it in barrel, uh, you know, close to two years. No, it's really good. I'm just, I've, I just wondered about that temptation for people that actually put a cab out that. Well, Brian, do you mean trying to, you know, quote unquote, supersize it or Napa yeah, style yeah, it totally, or for sure. um, make your own, your self pro, self-proclaimed um, cult wine? Yeah, because you know that there's an expectation of people right. tip, typically, and I, and I see a lot of it at the hotel, you know, right. that where I see people come and they want to drink Pinot Shard Cab. And there's right. a reason mm-hmm. that people pick Pinot. There's a reason people pick Cab. And but I think sort of this, I think sometimes that if I think because I think of Cab like this, like not supersized, like alcohol in, in balance, oak in balance, tannin level in balance. And part of it is, to make those sort of wines, you have to overly manipulate the wines. You have to, you know, um, pull off juice and not replace it with water. And, um, you know, it, it costs a lot to do that. Um, and the, and, and for producers like us, Mm -hmm. we can do what we can do. So you do the best you can with, um, what you have. And I think then you get an honest wine and that's what this is, I guess is where I'm going with it. 
there's is unmistakably Cabernet, mm-hmm. and it's you know it sings of Sonoma County. It doesn't sing of Napa, and that's why it's so appealing, at least nice. for me. Yeah, I mean, it's our. Thank you, and I, I agree. I mean, it's like we don't want to manipulate as much. We would rather spend more time in the vineyard and kind of let the grapes do it. But I don't. We're not adding tannins. I don't want to have like this gigantic bomb in the mouth where right. you can't eat or drink anything afterwards. Right. Where you need that cigar and scotch just to burn off the tannins in your mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah, I understand there's a time and place, but man, I want to be able to kind of like have conversations and see how it evolves and you know, taste the vineyard. Like when we would, you know, wander around the vineyards and, you know, we're watching hawks and, you know, we're kind of playing around in the dirt and we're tasting the grapes. Like I want people to experience that in, in their kind of sense. And it's, if you don't, you know, you leave the manipulation kind of alone, you let it kind of do what it's supposed to do, you know, in a, that Randall Grammish kind of way, you know, I mean, not as extreme. I mean, I'm, you know, give them props for that, but, you know, best what we can do, let it grow. Kind of going back to that, um, the the generational conversation, I think that, you know, the younger generations have a different palate. And A, I think didn't grow up with soda and with, you know, um, like Coke all the time. Yeah. And didn't grow up eating. I think the flavor profiles of the food has really become more acidic. And so the flavor profiles of wine, I think, are following that suit of of people that are are not wanting big extraction anymore i do think there's a trend of pulling back on reds and whites i think that the shard that big flabby disgusting cougar juice shard Mm -hmm. is i mean even rombauer has pulled back on that which pissed off a lot of their people but they did because they know that it's done only nine hundred thousand cases of it not a million (laughs) <laughs> per year yeah <laughs> and uh and i think the same is true of cab like i think that uh, you know there's there's a place for the for the parker cabs because yeah. there's people that think that that's important to pay for but you know cabinet cabernet and chardonnay are beautiful beautiful fruit and beautiful grapes that make incredible i mean there's a reason that they're you know the big boys yeah. they make incredible yeah. expressive wines if they're treated right so you know i think one of the things that with the young young i think younger generations think they don't like cabernet because they don't like big extraction right they think they don't like chardonnay because they don't like big extraction but then you pour them a cab like this or a shard like the complan like and then you're like oh shit i do like those wines i just don't like the shitty versions of them yeah. <laughs> you know and this is this is a very expressive and beautiful cab that tastes like what cabernet should taste like it doesn't taste like the barrel so Exactly. Yeah, and it, it becomes that thing of, of, you know, the quantity. I mean, these are just a couple hundred cases. And yeah. it's, you know, explaining to people the difference between, you know, canned vegetables is something you find at a farmer's market. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the idea is like when you have these smaller lots, you can spend a lot more time. You don't have to manipulate it. You let the love kind of shine through. When you're making mass produces, and you talked about that, I mean, it's machines. It, things are different. You're not having yeah, the love and, put and in And it's the a lot easier to have attention to detail when you can. Mm-hmm are under control of it. Totally. Exactly. No, but TJ, it's so nice to hear you say that because, you know, I sort of lose sight of it sometimes because I see a lot of the tourists that come from other parts of the country. And I know when, I know when someone's asking for a Cabernet, what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, And it's not necessarily what I would be looking for in a cab. Right. Um, But that's how trends start. They move out, Right. you know? So, I mean, the trend starts here and it, it'll spread. Yeah. You know, it has and, to. And, and especially, Brian, for you. There's, I a, mean, there's a great positivity to what <laughs> she's saying right. that I'm totally holding on to. Yeah. No, I think yeah. it's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a time people bought rocks as a pet. You know, I mean, things spread in different ways. And you, you explain it and you, you teach it in a way where 
you don't come off like as an asshole. You know, you come off as like, okay, let, let's talk about this. Like, yeah. all right, it doesn't matter what you taste in it. How does it make you feel? What is the texture? And you know, you kind of go from there and you help them open it up. And you, and it, and it is great because when civilians don't get intimidated and they can actually kind of write it out, right? Oh yeah, this is why I like this. Yeah. I'm not buying just a cab because I was told to. Now I'm like, oh, okay, so you're getting these kind of flavors and this is that components <clears throat> and it tastes this. And it reminds me of something when I was six visiting my grandparents, like, yes, that, that's it. This is my history. So, <laughs> also, if Rombauer got the memo, it's true. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like if somewhere giant like that, like they're not making that decision based on like their own flavor profiles. They've did, done a shitload of research and right, right. and realized that that's the future. Yeah. So somewhere giant like that is dialing back. There's that's that's mm -hmm. real. Right. When Kraft you know? Macaroni and Cheese is making an organic line, Correct. you know, like you've, it, you've gotten somewhere. That's right. right. Exactly right. right. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I, I, you, you made me laugh about the pet rock thing. Uh -huh. um, my mom's moving and we had a conversation the other day finding stuff and i said oh i wonder if we'll find the pet rocks and then she rem reminded me when her friend of hers um kidnapped somebody's pet rock and held it for ransom and <laughs> sent letters to the friends and oh um so yeah <laughs> sorry awesome. i had to relate I mean, that the fact hilarious. that you brought did, did it up pay? i was like huh? did they pay i know i don't think so i think Shit. maybe they smashed the rock and mm -hmm. mailed it back to him oh sort rude of that's so rude yeah. i love how there's a letter though i mean you could it was oh, yeah. a time where you could do ransom no it was a letter and like it was that. and yeah. it was cut out you know yeah. words and stuff that's why you should always keep magazines. So you, when you do a ransom note for like wine or a rock, it's it's great. Right. You don't want it to get traced back to a particular uh, newsstand. No, you can't text a, a ransom note these days. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap it up by saying, you know what? I think TJ kind of what what you were talking about is it's and Ben too. Look, it's it's about having those conversations with people. And I think what's great about your business model is that not only are you selling them wines that you're that you're sourcing yourself that you know are these good people, but you're allowing them to have conversations with those winemakers themselves to kind of demystify, not only demystify, but get in a way, get to know the people that are making the beverage that they choose to drink. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's what I get to do all the time at work too, is, is, is actually have a conversation with people and then kind of feel out where they are and then have that, non-intimidating conversation with them about okay what is it you really like well hey let's talk about that and then find something that that you actually enjoy and 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 if they have questions answer them but not in a talk down sort of way it's about a hey this is what this is what we like to do and and hopefully that you enjoy that but the, totally blown away by what you're doing and i'm glad that we had you on because um well, number one, because we had no fucking idea. We just knew that you were dealing with some cool, <laughs> that you were dealing with some cool people. But I, I, I really can't stress enough. Like, if if you're a person like me that's out there that wants to drink good wine but doesn't have the time to spend driving from place to place <laughs> to find these incredible people or googling forever and then wondering who you're trusting on these reviews or websites or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think you've basically put the stamp on yourself as like, Hey, I'm, I'm here to, to tell people these are, these are cool fucking wines. Thank um, you. And if, and if you want to drink some cool shit at a really, and part of it is at a really good price point. Yeah. Um, join the club. 
All of these wines are under 40 bucks. That's amazing. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Cool. Awesome sauce. Uh, shout out. So, God. So, I wanted to let people know that I have 25 tickets available for the Dave Finney winemaker dinner at the Fairmont. I've already sold five. Hasn't even been announced yet. But it is uh, call the Fairmont. It's going to be April 27th. Um, amazing menu. Chicken and waffles made with foie gras, by the Yum. way. Um, the petite sirah is going to be done with a whimsical take on a s'mores. Um, I, I know like whimsical. I haven't heard that word in a while. Well, that was kind of the idea. So my idea for the Dave Finney dinner, just because based on his labels and the fact that the guy is a little bit out there, doesn't do a lot of... Um, public appearances um so i i, I feel in he's a, counting this money i feel hey i lucky bastard. you know the the first three tickets i sold were were to barbara if you're listening who's a podcast listener who has friends that are total dave finney fans that i'm 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 stoked that we were actually able to get him and is he um, gonna be there yes he he's a lovely human being actually yeah. he's yeah. such a if, if you've had an really opportunity nice to person. see um youtube videos of him doing interviews i mean um, it, it it was it was like a bucket list thing for um, for some of us at the hotel to to get him there and to do this dinner and it's super small we only we only do thirty people under the um, historic water tower um, but the menu is incredible the chef went off and I'm I'm the one that actually gets to set the scene for the whole dinner so I'm doing black linen um, I'm doing candelabra with red candles cool. like I'm having the the um, the what are the tech geeks or whatever light the whole um water tower it's it's gonna be fucking badass and it's the most expensive winemaker dinner we've done it's 175 plus tax and gratuity um but we've already sold um some of the tickets but um anyway if anyone wants to go call the fairmont um come join us on april 27th and um um that'll be our first one of the of the year and then we're doing um we're doing Anaba Three Sticks, Chateau Escalon, plant-based dinner with Rosé. And then, cool. um, um, and then of course, finishing up with the celebration um, of harvest as a kind of a tribute to Phil Couture, And we'll have a, all Phil Couture wines. How'd you get um, that connection? Uh, which one? <laughs> uh, uh, Phil happens to yeah. you know, pay the rent on a, this place. Be a friend of a friend. So um, lucky. Yeah, so, so we're random. we're gonna have a. Yeah. Anyway, that's okay. That's my spiel. All right, Mark. Uh, I'll just say real quick. Um, if you get a chance, uh, and uh, you're in Sonoma, the girl in the fig is celebrating 25 years, and they're doing some really cool dinners. Um, but they sell out very quick. They're small, intimate, great menus. So check it out, thegirlinthefig.com. It went awesome. It was it was really good. Yeah, the uh, menu was delicious. It was well attended. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So. Hey, and we had an incredible dinner the other night, just uh, yeah. Joan's birthday. Yeah. We had with Kimberly. Real, oh, such a nice evening. Really, and Diane. Really, lots of fun. Barbara. Jane. Uh, <laughs> um, don't want blonde hair. Anything else, Bert? <laughs> Idolsellers.com. Yes. Own Root Own Collective. Collective. Yeah. Com. Follow on Instagram. I highly recommend it. Yep. Drink more wine. Oh, yeah, we're on Instagram. Drink Sounds good great. wine. We'll see you next week. And everybody, thanks for listening. Woohoo.